0: Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht im Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Master, Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen.
1: Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, cast, fuelled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is most definitely barking at the blue moon. Now, uh, the last thing you want when you're in a run of bad form and low confidence is to come up against Man City. Don't be fooled by the players City had missing. Their squad depth and quality are far superior to Chelsea's. And with the league's best player, Chelsea reject, Kevin De Bruyne pulling the strings, boy, did they prove it. They might as well have dropped their shorts and showed Chelsea the full face of the blue moon. (laughs) Of course, Chelsea didn't help themselves. Heads dropped when they conceded two goals in a couple of minutes. They perhaps knew that the game was up. The midfield was non-existent. The defence vulnerable. uh, The attack clueless and wasteful. Too many players just didn't turn up. But there you go. And they just didn't put a shift in either, which is kind of worse. But anyway, it's time that some of these players take a long, hard look at themselves in the mirror and ask if they have what it takes to play for Chelsea. They're playing like a team that likes the smell of its own farts but is stinking the place out. Stop believing the hype, start busting a gut, put everything on the line and work hard as a team. That is all we ask. And time is of the essence. Because if the rumours are to be believed performances like this mean that time is running out for frank lampard as manager of chelsea now my personal view is that that would be a mistake and a massive reversal on the stated strategy and plan of the club perhaps the board should grow a pair of balls and man up in much the same way as the players need to and the title of this show is blue mooned chelsea fancast number 780 now on this show tonight of course of course, we have. The wonderful Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh,
2: how lovely. How lovely to be called. Wonderful. Thank you. May I congratulate you on the title, Jack?
1: Yeah, I kind of teed you up for that a little bit, didn't I? You know, yeah, so I was being a bit they, needy, really, wasn't I? Yeah, you were.
2: Yeah, but I'm happy to uh, provide the uh, uh, the necessary love for it. You're so
1: it? generous, J.K. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, you know, it was. Uh, it's clever. It's clever.
1: You liked it. You liked yeah. it. I kind of yeah. thought that that's what they did. I mean, we will get into this, and I do need to introduce Dean, but I do they feel got, that they mooned us. They mooned us and and farted in our faces. They really did. They really yeah. did. But we shall we shall discuss the whys and the wherefores of that as we go on tonight. But before I do, um, I have to introduce uh, what, a, a a lad who has become a very important member of the Chelsea fancast family. He he is so. Now trusted due to his wonderful writings for us and editing of the website, he's got his own podcast. uh, Went to Mo King's Meadow, but he is so trusted now that I have actually given him access, JK, to the Chelsea Twitter account, Chelsea fancast Twitter account. I should
2: say. Are you sure, I mean that that those are the you know yeah. those are the uh, yeah.
1: that,
2: that's that, that's the gold medals. You know, I mean, what's going to happen yeah. now? Could all know? be
1: downhill from now. You know,
2: hey, well, you and I might be uh, sidelined. You well, might lose opportunity.
1: We might even get a Twitter ban. Yeah. You never I mean, know. No, you no. never know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, the lovely, wonderful and a very big Happy New Year to Dean Mears.
3: Evening, cheers, evening, JK. Yeah, cheers, still very much at the wheel, don't worry.
1: Cheers at the wheel. <laughs> if there's anything like Ollie, I'd be worried, mate. Although, of course, United seem to be doing better, seeing as they've had a bit of patience in their... Also equally uh, derided manager, but there we go. Um, Now, no Alex tonight. I know that uh, Alex has a very large fan base of her own and uh, no bigger fan of Alex Churchill than me. But sadly, she's also a very busy lady and she was running around no doubt doing good things. Uh, and she wasn't able to make it back uh, from where she was. So she's unable to join us tonight, which is a great shame. Sending big love to Alex. But no worries, these two are more than enough for the Chelsea fan cast, that is for sure. Now, on the show tonight, uh, we ask, with the plethora of problems resulting from the defeat to City, what are the solutions? And in part two, we ask, is Frank Lampard's job really in jeopardy? I'm, I'm sure most of you know that Liam, our, our mate actually, Liam, Liam Toomey who writes for the Athletic uh did uh, I mean it, it was it seemed a bit harsh really the, the, the final whistle released a, an article saying that the board have been discussing Frank's future very seriously uh, incidentally uh, Liam will be uh, on our preview show this Friday um I mean we want to grill him about what, what what about the article that he released he's clearly got some interesting sources and information uh but let's hope things haven't moved on by
2: then as we've discovered, Chidge, he uh, he does have his ear to the ground.
1: I trust and Liam.
2: He's got he's you know, got lots of things right over the last year and a half, which uh, um, we ought to you ought to pay attention to.
1: Well, I tell you what. I mean, you know this. You boys all know this. Um, I'll share it with you lot. Um, you know, we have a WhatsApp group, a Chelsea Fancast WhatsApp group. So everybody who's you know in the Chelsea Fancast family is on our WhatsApp group, including the journalists that we we have on regularly, uh, Oli Harbord, uh, for example, and Liam. <clears throat> And we don't we do hold back on the WhatsApp group, as you can imagine, and we get a bit pissed off and aerated quite often with each other, which is kind of, you know, it's what mates can do. And we were having a right old go about something. I can't even remember what it was now, but it did involve Liam and it did involve journalism. It quite possibly involved The Athletic. And Liam came back with us with everything he had. And fair play to him. Particularly at me. Well, it was it you? I can't, I don't remember the details, honestly, mate, but. We got him on the show as a right of reply, because that's what we do. So, you know, Liam, we trust Liam. Liam, Liam's, you know, he's a proper journalist. So there we go. Enough said. Now, um, as I was saying, in part two, we're going to ask, is Frank Lampard's job really in jeopardy? Um, If it is, whatever happened to building something? And if he does get the tin tack, has Roman Abramovich created a monster fan base in his own image? Uh, in part three, um, I'm looking forward to this, but for the saddest of reasons, really. But in part three, with the news of Tommy Doherty's passing, we look back at his legacy as a Chelsea manager and uh, the great Doherty's Diamonds team, which uh, Jonathan, of course, was very lucky enough to have seen uh, Doc's uh, entire managerial career at Chelsea. So it'll be interesting to hear what Jonathan has to say. And of course, in part four, uh, we wrap up with uh, your your wonderful emails. We have... I I had to well, I basically drew the line last night when I put all this together. A flood of them have come in since. So what I might do is do an extra segment on our Friday preview show if Jonathan doesn't mind. And uh we'll we'll go yep. through we'll go through them then because they're all very, very good. As they always are. The quality of the emails you sent in to us are far superior. ...than the show that we'd give to you. So (laughs) I will have to absolutely read them on Friday. There we go. Now, of course, as ever, don't forget... ...you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7pm... ...by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast... ...where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And you can also tweet at Chelsea Fancast at any time you like. Just get in touch with us. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram... Patreon if you're a Patreon member. Discord if you're a Discord member. There's, there are no excuses. We are the, probably the easiest people in the world to track down for you to berate us about everything. So there we go. Doesn't even have to be football related. But after this sh- uh, short break, we will be very much football related as we reflect on a rather disappointing match against City. we go um i mean to be really uh frank chaps uh i actually thought that frank i thought frank actually really fronted up in in the in the post-match presser um i mean the poor bloke he's clearly under a tremendous amount of pressure i mean you know I, i'm i wouldn't feel too sorry for him that, that he gets paid a lot of money and he's he's an elite uh sportsman or was an elite sportsman he's doing an elite job and pressure comes with the territory Um, But nevertheless, I thought he fronted up really, really well. And I thought he summarised the match, as actually he quite often does, I think. I think he's pretty much, you know, when it comes to summarising matches, he's pretty honest with that. I mean, like all managers, he'll play the game a bit and be economical with the truth in other areas. But I thought he was pretty, pretty accurate. We conceded two poor goals in two minutes. It knocked the stuffing out of us. And the game was really gone then, wasn't it, J.K.?
2: Yes, but I I, I do feel if he's so good at analysing what's going on, why doesn't he attempt to do something to change it? Perhaps he doesn't feel that the players he has at his uh, um, uh, on the bench are going to add anything particularly different. Um, I mean, his we all thought at the very beginning, right? He's put Werner in the middle, and he's got Zaych, and he's got Pulisic. So this is going to be a really really swift. Um, up front three, and um, they just struggled. Uh, and did they struggle because Werner is so off the pace or is it the style of play? I was trying to work out um, uh, if he's such an unbelievably quick player, is there a system that we're not playing that Frank could shift to, to allow Werner to, um, to be able to show his gifts in, a, in the same way that Vardy, who's unbelievably swift, puts in great shots from certain angles, but it seems to be there's a long boot down the pitch most of the time for him to deal with. So, um, uh, I mean, I have to say we started off pretty well, didn't we? We pressed yeah. really well. There was great. a lot of energy. Um, and we had that uh, free kick on the end of the area that, uh, the edge of the area, they were trying to work out what, what to do. And Gary Neville revealed his ignorance by saying, Oh, you thought they'd have worked it out on the training pitch, weren't you? Remissing the fact that it was an indirect free kick and therefore somebody had to touch it first, but that wasn't mentioned, of course. Um, but um uh I know I'm 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 slightly struggling, Chidge to to um to find a kind of pattern to talk about here because um we seem to just fall into the same trap over the last few games. I mean, even the West Ham game where um, uh, where we, we won 3-0, I still thought that that we didn't play well at all. And we've gone into a patch where Frank just can't seem to do anything uh, to make it work. I thought, but other than the first 10 minutes where I thought, oh, something's happening. They've got much more energy. They're passing the ball much more quickly. They're really pressing and yet, um, a, a, a quick the, the writing was on the wall when De Bruyne almost scored yeah. and um, and from then on um, we just look unbelievably fragile and it's not, it's not a question I think of our heads going down. It's just a question of we were sort of found out and then and then they start not playing. And you can see there is nobody pushing them, which I found that I I find every time very difficult. And we've talked about this before, about they're not being a leader. They're not being somebody knocking their heads together to say, come on, guys, what is going on? And um, uh, Dave being captain, unfortunately, was more under the cosh than anybody else. He seemed to be uh, he seemed to be suffering hugely. But having said that, I don't think there was anybody in defense who was doing well. Um, What I found... (laughs) what i found particularly difficult was the way that zuma kind of reverted to the kind of player that we'd seen a season and a half ago when he was under pressure which is just not heading the ball out properly just hitting the ball wherever whenever and giving it away and you think no this is the kind of pressure that you're going to get for the rest of the season and in the champions league i mean i'm Despairing about what's going to happen at the moment if this team plays Atletico.
1: I, I want to answer something that you've raised, and I, I know, I know, you know, Dean, Dean's half our age, which means he's far more conscientious about watching teams other than Chelsea. So I'm sure Dean watched Leipzig last year, but uh, <clears throat> on the Werner issue, he's shaking his head. I don't believe him. Um, on the Werner issue, J.K., I think you have got a, a, a really interesting point there. I, 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 you know, I might not watch a lot of these games, but I rely on reading people who know what they're talking about and I heard something interesting um this weekend which was that you know Werner is not what we would I mean it's an interesting point isn't it because you and I would class a traditional centre forward as a proper number nine, a big hairy ass centre forward. You can hold the ball back, hold the ball up, and score it's, goals. It,
2: it's Giroud, isn't it? Really? Right.
1: Well, he's quite a throwback, isn't he? But yeah. you know, the modern number nine is is nothing like the number nines that we grew up with. But I don't think that Werner is in in. He's not. He's not the kind of guy who will get on the end of crosses. One could ask why Chelsea persists with putting balls into the box like that then. He's not the kind of guy who's going to play with his back towards the goal and play yeah. put other people in. He's more of an inside forward, which is why he got shoved out left. But, of course, I don't think he's a winger either because you don't want to waste Werner by tracking back. He'd be more of a problem defensively than than a help. What you want is f- to play between the lines with a player like Werner or you want to play him off another striker. who could, Like a Heskey, it was mentioned, funnily enough, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Cascarino, but somebody who can just nod those balls to him running onto them. He's that kind of a striker. He can play on the shoulder of the last man. Dean?
2: Why I was saying, sorry to one take, Why I was saying perhaps the system isn't suiting him. Well, I, I would agree
1: with that. I want to get into that a lot more in a minute, but you you raised such an interesting point. I just, I couldn't resist, JK.
2: Oh, I'm pleased that I was interested. You're irresistible. What I've can been, I say? i around a bit for ideas. Yeah.
1: There. Um, what do you what do you reckon, Dean, on the on 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 the use of Werner in that respect? And I think he's also horribly out of form. I mean, he's in a terrible terrible period of form. It happens with strikers occasionally.
3: Yeah, I mean, goal scorers are the ultimate confidence players, and yeah. when it's not going in for you, you know. Heads thinking I mean,
1: 150, why it's not working. He he even hit the corner flag, kicked the corner flag when trying to take a corner kick. I mean, you, when you when you, you know you know you, you that's the moment you walk off the pitch so you know what, it's just not working for me. I mean, when that happens, I mean, goodness me. Sorry, yeah. Dick. Go on. I think you wanted to go off at that point. Yeah, I bet he did. Yeah.
3: Bless him. So like you, I don't really watch anyone other than Chelsea, and I do read people that watch, you know, the games that they're talking about and. You know, Werner is someone that needs either to have somebody with him or to you know play on his own through the middle, but instead of crossing the ball to him, you're trying to play through, you know, on the shoulder of the defender. The fact that we're not trying either of those things is is baffling and we've signed these players and at the start of the season we were saying that, you know, Frank's got a plan and we're signing players that he's targeted, then we're not using them in the positions that bring the best out of them, especially mm-hmm. Kai Havertz. Do you think if you look at switching to a 3-4-1-2 and having Havertz in a 10 and, you know, have sorry, Werner with a striker with him, then that's something that could possibly utilise the best talents of of those players.
1: I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, Dean? Because, I mean, I I think one of the big problems with football fans, and, you know, we are football fans. We're no different from everybody else. But I think one of the biggest problems is everybody has... Minusculely tiny short memories, and it's not so long ago that we were. In fact, we even had a podcast called TNT, their dynamite, because uh, Tammy and and Verna seemed to play so well together, and in in a sense, that's the classic little and large combination. So you know, I think maybe what you're saying, Dean, has has some weight to it. I think the biggest problem for me, actually, yesterday, if you were going to really identify, you know. It's a bit like a bridge too far, you know. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was Arnhem, mate. It was actually dumping us five miles away from the from the town. Ta- no, it was basically where was the midfield? The midfield yesterday, J.K. Well, not yesterday on Sun on Saturday. Were dread. It was it was Sunday actually, wasn't it? They were dreadful. I thought Kante had one of the worst games I've worst seen him play for 11, us for a while. Yeah. Mount looked as though he was blowing out his ass, although as always with Mount, he tried. And Kovacic was as. You know, he seems to like one good game, one terrible game, one good game, one terrible game. But City absolutely rinsed us through the midfield. But, Arthur, I think they were completely
2: outclassed by the passing. Yeah. I don't really know what, you, what you're supposed to do in that instance. I just felt that, that Kante should have actually... Your, um, he still kept trying to play further forward. And, uh, you know, obviously he gave the goal away with Sterling. I'm surprised he didn't bring him
1: down, actually, and get sent off. I, I, um, I wondered that, and I was screaming... Well, I mean, I would, wouldn't I? Screaming, take him out! Fucking take him! And then I realised that if he had done that, it'd have been off. Yeah. So fair been. play, in a sense.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I just wonder that whether when we have played this um, 4-3-3, whether in fact he's worked better when he's been playing further back, as uh, as they keep going on about the position he played at Leicester, but then people come in and confound it by saying no, actually and he used to he used to go much further forward on, with with Leicester but I think it's the fact that he is that we have a, a memory of him in the title winning season when um he just appeared to be able to snuff out any attack by um just turning on the pace um from the cuz positionally he was in a better position to defend whereas now he always seems to be so far forward that he can't do it as much so uh, whether Frank has been asking him to play further forward It just seems to me that the system that Frank is employing um, has now been in some way found out. Now, whether this is because, as uh, Liam hinted, in actual fact, uh, there's a big problem um, behind the scenes um, and Frank is having great difficulty uh, communicating with them and they've lost faith in him which is what Liam was suggesting. I don't
1: actually, you know. I'm going um, to, I'm going to, no, I'm not going to agree with that because I did read the article and actually I thought that the inference that, that Liam made was more that the players who are not, you know, if you like, in his first regular first 11, the ones who've been left out in the cold a bit are the ones that have been agitating. And that's actually usual. No player likes doesn't you know every player doesn't like being well, it left still
2: out. Means there is agitation though, chief. Yeah, not but
1: good. not from the first eleven that he's getting. He's picking regularly. Well, it
2: depends who he influences. You know, well,
1: I, I did ask play. him. You know, uh, you, you're in the WhatsApp group. I asked yeah. him, and he was he didn't respond to that. No, Interestingly enough, he didn't. I'm going to no, bloody well ask him on I Friday, mate. Was, I thought that was very relevant. The yeah, the fact that he re- replied to it.
2: No, I, it's a question. That, uh, I agree, but if you look, if Havertz doesn't play, has he got an influence? I don't know. At the moment, he doesn't seem to have. He looks rather a lonely boy He's bought a dog you know you just think is he dealing with being he's 21 is he dealing with being in england during this this ridiculous period where they don't get any approval from the crowd you know you no. wonder whether the, the the crowd loving them huge, is something huge. that they're 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 really hope that they're really as they aspire to when they come to a new club the fact they're not getting any of that at all is like, it's like playing in a vacuum for them just emotionally you wonder whether that's affecting him and i'm that's why, to an extent, I've got I've got sympathy for Havertz because uh, I think he's been played out of position. I think he's also had COVID, but I think he's um, uh, it's a, he's he's you know he's twenty one. He's not mature. He's he's um, he's in a different country. It, uh, he may be emotionally finding this really really tricky, and uh, and you never know. Werner may be the same. It may be affecting him so much that he's not. That the, um, uh, I mean, you would know, Chidge, You're the uh, you're,
1: you're the um yeah I, um, look i do i think i think all of these look, the, th- mind, we'll, we'll, the mind we'll, we'll, uh, i think um, we'll, i want to part i want to push that back into the what are the problems and what are the solutions but i do i do agree with you wholeheartedly um i think things did improve actually dean in the second half um and actually i've said here jonathan again has it as he often does actually spot on i said you know gilmore and hudson adoy i thought were really good they made a difference they brought some energy but it was too little, too late. Um, I
2: thought it had a very good, very Yeah,
1: good I mean, it was a good goal, wasn't it? But I mean, very it was too little, goal. too late. And 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 I don't understand, uh, Dino. Maybe we were spoiled. We had we had man and well, actually, we used to moan at Sarri always taking off uh, Kovacic, didn't we, for Barkley on sixty-two minutes. So maybe we should shut the fuck up. But I did think that when when you're getting pummeled like we were, and and we, I mean, they looked they looked like boys against men for a lot of that first half. They looked lost. They, a change was needed at half time, I felt. Uh so I was surprised it took a while to make the change, but I thought the changes did actually have some sort of an impact. I mean, goodness me, Dean, we won the second half. We didn't get humped 6 0, we have done in the past to this lot.
3: We still got no points though.
1: Nope. That's um, true. Can't argue with that.
3: Yeah, what I would say is I felt that he would have made three changes at half-time, and it was interesting that every single substitute was on the pitch at half-time, so they weren't in the dressing room. Even Mm. goalkeeper was on the pitch, warming up, and clearly that shows that he felt that his players hadn't you know, implemented the game plan that he wanted to, and he was right. Whether the game plan was right or not is another question. Do you
4: think
2: that's a fact as well, Dean, that they don't implement it? He's said that on several occasions, actually, hasn't he, at... um... Uh, um, after the match in interviews. He's actually said they, they're not playing what I asked them to do.
3: Well, I he mean, wanted them to have great. the ball. He wanted them to press. And they did. They had the ball. They had more possession than City. But the pressing was half-assed. And every time they got the ball, it was so easy to get through us. Yes. The defence had no answer. And that was because the midfield was pushing to press too much.
1: Yeah, and, and there was too much of a gap. I think there was too much of a gap between midfield and, and, and the attack. And I think that's a problem. But
2: Could that be the case that then the defence press as well more? and
1: it becomes half Yeah, Yeah, they, what they're supposed to do, JK, is you're supposed... Right, you're supposed to push. The defence is supposed yeah, to push indeed, up to the, push the halfway well. line. No, indeed, indeed. The, def- the midfield then pushes further up and the attack is where the press starts. What happens, though, and I think this is relevant and I think this could explain the half assed nature of it, when you play against a, C- a team like City, they've got some very quick players who can just skin you if you push too high and then you're caught. Or or they can pass through you because they're so good and equally you're caught high up the pitch. I tell you what, see it in my memory, and you'll remember this, Dean will remember this too, one of the most awful examples of how and when a high press goes completely tits up when a team doesn't believe in it was AVB's uh, very short tenure when we got humped 5-3 by Arsenal and they just hit us and caught us out. Same kind of idea, either speed or passing well, through well, us.
2: Balls chipped over the top every time, in fact. Well, well I they JT were good T- enough
1: to pass it, to and run. they did, if you remember. And, of course, J- JT fell on his ass, if you remember. And yeah. But it, yeah. but that, that's what happens. And I think the trouble with players... Players like to play the way they like to play. They, they get comfortable, and they like their comfort zones. And if they're asked to do things that they're not comfortable doing, they're not going to do it 100%, because nobody likes to be made a fool of. And you can really be made a fool of if you press too high and you get caught out. Two years ago... Um, when we beat them, uh, we defended, didn't we, for most of
2: the time, and and got them on the broke, on the on the broke, on the break. Uh, what did we do last year when we beat them? Did we do similar, or did we press them? Were we much? Was the team much better at pressing then? Was it a more cohesive performance? Because we were fantastic last year against them. It was the same sort of holding holding your positions
3: and you go breaking. We had thirty five percent possession. I looked up on that game last season. Yes, I think what we miss is wingers like William who can defend.
1: Yeah, because neither Ziyech well, I mean, I ZH think very poor. Well, yeah, Ziyech is coming back after his first game well, being out again, for a but, while. But, uh, hang on, hang on, he's coming back. You know, I mean, I would have not started him actually. I would have, I would have brought him on for maybe the last half an hour. But that aside, JK, I mean, match of the day highlighted it. Uh, Sky highlighted it. That jogging back. Not, I mean, that, that bit where he looked to see, yeah. oh, is he going to get bit? Oh, he is. Oh, well, then there's no point in me going. That's unforgivable, mate. And actually, Roy Keane, who does talk an awful lot of bollocks, actually sometimes talks a lot of sense. And I thought, what he said about that, he said, mate, he said, if you, if you were in a title-winning, title-challenging team, every single one of your players has to put 100% in. And if one of your players, one of your teammates doesn't, the other teammates should dig him out for it and say that's not acceptable at this club. I hope somebody did. I have a feeling that they probably didn't. But that's when you miss somebody like JT. You, I mean, we said it the other week, didn't we? We want somebody who's, you know, who when the when the going gets tough, they start kicking the shit out of the opposition, and then they start kicking the shit out of their own teammates if so they don't they put it, at it in.
2: The top of the show earlier, I yeah. said exactly the same exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Somebody needs to come out to say guys this really isn't acceptable we mustn't mm. just be the manager
1: i'd have i'd have you know grab him by the throat in the dressing room getting you know well i wouldn't because i'm a bit weedy but i'd probably shout loudly and swear Teens <laughs> giggling away in the corner there don't blame him listen we we we've kind of alluded to lots of problems here and I, I, it'd be interesting to try and see if we've got i mean <laughs> the list could have been as long as my scripts and everybody who knows my scripts will know that that's very long but, I mean, tactics, selection, lack of quality, fatigue, mentality, attitude, lack of leadership. I mean, also, we should factor in the fact that actually City City played really, really, really well yesterday. And on their day, they are a, a phenomenally good side. And we caught them on a good day. Um, I don't know, JK, you alluded to it a minute ago. Um, I'm not sure if either of you read it. But I did an article for Football London last week, which was a kind of an honest appraisal of the squad as I see it uh the lovely Liam Hawks did something similar on Facebook and I I gleefully nicked a lot of points he made and added them to my own but you know it was really kind of a riposte to to Klopp and Guardiola saying we had the best squad in the league because I think that's absolutely bullshit and 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 you can go through each one and make a case for saying we have not got that quality in depth
2: but I think we earlier on in the season when we were uh, on our 14 game unbeaten run uh, I think you could actually say this is a pretty good squad. You know, when he when he played um, uh, the second team against Wren, and they they played him off the park. So uh, I, I'm I, I'm more concerned with what has how has it deteriorated rather than saying the squad is poor, because. Uh, some of, these te- some of these players played out of their skin earlier I, I, in the I season. Don't,
1: I, don't think, I don't think it's poor. I think we haven't got enough of the debway out yet. We know.
2: Yeah, we, well, we've been prophesying well, that would happen every transfer window, on, and it hasn't. Hang,
1: hang on. We've got, I think we've got 11 to 15 good players, OK? I don't think we've got a lot of world-class players. I think we've got a lot what of… We're po- supposed to have done. We're supposed y- to have bought yeah, them. Yeah, but their potential… Okay. They're both young. Havertz is twenty-one, and no, also,
2: him, but, you know, Chilwell is supposed to have been a big signing as well. Yeah, but he,
1: he's he's still, you know, relatively relatively young and inexperienced. You know, he's not like something. Well, I mean, Silver's at the end of his career, but you know what I mean. It's not like signing a twenty-eight-year-old who's been doing it week in, week out for for six years. We've got Havertz and Werner adapt. We've got a lot of players adapting to a new league. I tell you what, Dean, something that popped into my head the other day, which is absolutely not been talked about. You, do you remember a couple of years back, two or three seasons back, when Fulham came up and they spunked all that money on but basically buying an entirely new team and they couldn't get it together all season and they dropped like a stone? Last season, Villa bought loads of new players, couldn't get it together at all, nearly got relegated. Um, nobody's mentioned this, that, you know, this is, this can happen when you try and, and, you know, you bet we brought in six new players, effectively. It takes time for them to gel. We've got young inexperienced players. We've got new players to the league. You know, it's perhaps not surprising that we come a bit unglued. Yeah.
3: It's obviously, it takes time for for new players, but on the same hand, I don't think that they've really played together at all because of injuries and, um, you know, what have you, fatigue, and every week that one gets back, another one is then out the team because they're out of form or out of fitness. Uh, sort of what I would say is the fitness is is the main crux of the issue for me. They've, Tell me more. Well, they can say amount of the two players in the team that set the tempo for what Frank wants to do. When we play well, they're on their game. Yesterday, they were both blowing, you know, hard, and we're still trying to press. So, that should be down to the manager to then say, well, we can't press today because, you know, we're not there physically Sit sit in and and try and break. On on the same token, they've had a week to prepare. Why are they not fit come match day? Mm -hmm. If they've had a week to rest and get ready for this game. So there's, you ask questions of the players and you ask questions of the manager as well.
1: Yeah, I look, you know, I mean... I'm I, I'm a great believer in collective responsibility actually. And if, if I you know, and I have managed uh I've managed companies, not not football teams. Um but you know, I, I would never ask anything of the people that I I employed and managed that I wouldn't be prepared to do myself. And if things went tits up, I would dig out individuals concerned, but I wouldn't do it publicly unless I thought it was absolutely necessary. And if I cocked up, I would be the first to hold my hand up. I mean, I think collective responsibility is a positive thing, and I'm sure frank you know I mean he's not going to say it he's not going to give he's not going to give the media what they want in that respect, but I'm sure behind the scenes Frank's you know holding his hand up too, and you know I think we do forget this that he is a a very inexperienced manager at this level, and he is learning. I agree with you, Dean, actually I think. I think that we there are things that we could do tactically that are much better. I think that he could set the team up in a better way. I think, I think, in spite of the fact that, you know, he basically picked uh, what we would all say is the best Chelsea eleven, apart from Reese James for Aspie. That's the team, and Havertz for Kovacic. That's the best team. That's certainly the, what we've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks is our best attack: Pulisic, Werner, and Ziyech. But not. Right now, because Pulisic is still getting back to anywhere like his best. Werner's couldn't, you know, hit a cow's ass with a banjo. And Ziyech has been injured for quite a while and is just coming back. So it wouldn't be match fit. So you could question Frank on that. I mean, one can understand his motivation for doing it. I also perhaps think he took a bit of a gamble against City. And that that was, you know, maybe a, a more experienced manager wouldn't have done that. Maybe a more experienced manager would have said, you know what? I know that they're not quite ready yet. They can't do what I need them to do. So what I'm going to do is not get beat. I'm going to set up and I'll just part the fucking bus. I don't give a shit. I'll get a point out of this, maybe a breakaway goal if we're lucky. We've seen Chelsea do that under various managers at to City before, and I would have had no problem with that. Jk. Once again, Chid, so though that he, he's responding to how they're training. If C-H is
2: is training marvelously, then he he then he's back to fitness. He he chooses him. Um, but i would pick a doy i think the doy despite a doy's inability to take people on which really does my head in i mean if you watch who's that Wolves winger the one who scored against us um uh what's his name can't remember what's his name the wolves Pudence. Winger? Yeah, uh the other one the other one all um,
1: right
2: yeah no 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 the 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 little one the one is scored in the end last the two one anyway him yeah I he, know you mean he he, he 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 sets himself up to, to drive past you scares scares fullbacks because he's so quick at doing it doy has that skill but he doesn't he does a kind of very slow movement up and uh, but he's 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 impressing me with his skill and his speed and I I think he should have should have played doy from the beginning because he played very well um, uh, the other day and I think but once again we can't tell can we what's going on in the uh, on the on the training pitch but um, uh, I'd like to take issue with you though Chidge because I I actually think that the very players that you're now describing as, you know, could be world-class early on in the season, we definitely suggested were actually. Um, yeah,
1: we did. We all got, we, well, we got high it, on our own supply, it, mate.
2: It, it did. We got very high. And, we like the fact, smell of
1: our own farts, in fact, JK. Eight.
2: But I felt slightly uh, uh, embarrassed because um, uh, I, I enthused so much about Werner, who was fantastic early yeah, on. He's done really well. And, in the same way that Morata started really well and mm. fell apart, so let's hope that we get back to something. Well, I'll be intrigued to see. We're we'll talking about it later. On, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, jumping the gun, but you know, if if Werner scores a hatful against Morecambe, well, then I perhaps that that sets him up. He's you know, got that, to start. He has to start Just absolutely for that reason alone. For that very reason, absolutely, they need to blow them away.
1: Do you know, funny, and, funny thing is, Jake, I, my my football London article, which you'll this will make you giggle, because I've been sitting on it for about three weeks. But it's you know when we had that chat the other week about the curse of the Chelsea number nine. Yeah. I, I thought, oh, I'll I'll. I'll pe- Ping an article out on that, and I, I've been busy Christmas. Yeah, and I and I've been pro- no, I hadn't. I can't say this because it's so not true. I I, I won't say it. I've been praying for Werner not to score because it would scupper <laughs> my article. But the fact that he didn't against City has enabled me to be able to write it this week. But I'm now going to have to write it this week on the basis that if he starts against Morecambe, he he's blatant. got to get a hatful. So yeah. anyway, so look out for that one, folks. Um, I mean, talking of Werner Dean, and, and Havertz um and this kind of will feed very much i think into into what we're about to talk about in part 2 but we've seen this so many times at chelsea haven't we when we buy great players and they don't perform and and it's the manager who carries the can for it and it's not frank's fault that verner's forms i mean i know that a manager has a lot to do to try and you know get into their heads try and sort them out but but Lampard can't kick the ball for Werner. Havertz we've just had a an appalling bit of bad luck with him getting covid and not being very well which has probably not helped his confidence and the fact that he's he's you know in a new country and he's having to live on his own all these kind of things you know you can't blame frank for that but i just i do wonder dean whether the success of Werner and Havertz who the board obviously cherished who they spent a lot of money on are the players that will Determine Frank's future one way or another.
3: Yeah, I think you're probably right in, in that sense. But you know, they are players that Frank has obviously said, you know, yes, we want them as well. So, you know, as the manager, your responsibility is to get a tune out of the players, and you know, remember that Frank Lampard is not the manager of Chelsea; he's the head coach. As every other head coach has been, the the board decide ultimately what players they're going to sign. And then you get paid to win. And if he can't win and he can't get Champions League football, then he'll pay the price for that. Mm. The fact that you know Havertz has been through all these issues that we spoke about and, and Werner's lacking confidence is obviously bad luck in, in Frank's in Frank's case. Whether they will return that, I've seen some very good stats on Havertz, you know, starting very poorly in the Bundesliga with I think four goals and assists in the first half of the season and twenty three goals and assists in the second half of the season. Whether that's something that we're sort of praying that comes true for us as well.
1: On on that point, Dean, uh Werner is a classical streaky striker. So I, I from I, I've looked you know you know, I did my funny little analysis of Werner, JK, to find out where he scored his goals from. What I also found out, I, I, will, I will one day be as good as Mark Meehan. It's my ambition in life to be as good as, <laughs> as thorough as Mark Meehan and half as knowledgeable. But he scores his goals in, in, in clutches. So, you know, he'll get three, you know, five or six in, in very few games and he won't get anything for ages. Then he'll get another little kind of clutch of goals and then he goes quiet again. So it's not unusual for him to go through a bit of a, a, a trough in terms of scoring goals. But it, this is his biggest drought for more than four years, 12 games.
2: The other trouble is he's not looking as if he's going to score at all. He's no. looking as if he, he can't actually control the ball. Mate, he yet, couldn't score in a brothel. Indeed, indeed. Uh, now, I, 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 I fear that this is the major the major sticking point, actually, with um, which will be with the board as well, that he's not managed to make the two top players um, perform mm. at any kind of level. But
1: it is early days,
2: relatively, uh, J.K. It, indeed, indeed. Yeah. You hope that they will... They they will be um, uh, understanding, but the um, the trouble is there are too many players though that we bought who have hit the ground running. and Zola, Zola came. In. Well, Maratta started. Maratta's an example of of, of dissent into idiocy, idiocy, isn't it? But
1: I, I think mean, actually there's I, a really I, lovely uh, there's a wonderful analogy here which we're both talking about about Chelsea. Sorry, Roman buying marquee players. Who fuck the manager over by being rubbish, Torres? <laughs> yeah. How many how many managers did Torres get through? Uh, Maratta, you could argue. Um, there are many, many others that we could. Shevchenko you know that was a Roman buy, wasn't it?
2: Yes. Well, I think that was that was like a marquee buy, wasn't it? Because yeah. he was Russian and he enjoyed watching him play. So
1: next manager, apparently.
2: But, and, uh, it, oh, that'd be great. I'd love that. Oh, yeah, fuck that, be, mate. Come but, on. Yeah, wow. That'd be great. Because I think if Shevchenko came he'd, he'd ask for about another ten. Huh? 10, huh? 10 JK's type...
1: been smoking the funny facts. No, no, again. no,
2: I'm I, I'm not agreeing with you. I'm going <laughs> off into the I'm going off into a kind of what would happen in this chid world that you've just created, that you've suggested. Yeah, okay. Shevchenko would come in and he'll buy a lot of Eastern European players. He'll demand them. I, I want don't...
1: Leonard Slutsky as our manager because he sang a great uh, version of uh, All I Want for Christmas. All I want for Christmas is you, in a Perfect. very bad way. I, even worse but than I don't it.
2: know. I, I, I fear for Frank that way. But, well, just as you look back at other players, you know, Hazard came in and was just magnificent. Yeah. He didn't... He Costa. Didn't problem. Costa came in and was yeah. magnificent. Um, Zola, going further back, was... You know, the very first game, he he, he took the piss and scored against United, didn't he? he? Was just magnificent. You just um, I don't think that's true actually. I think it was later. But he was still He's still you look at them and you go, Yes, you are um a top player and you perform uh each week you're top. You don't I, have moments where you're where you're off off. Thought of another one. Mutu. Yes, yeah, started wonderfully but then took too much um
1: Bolivian marching powder, as I recall. Yes. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right. Um, I'm just going to close out this part with uh, with one one thought. I thought it was a lovely tweet, actually. I've got no idea whether or not he, he listens to this show. It's actually it's really funny. I shall share this with you later. I'm never... I'm always surprised by people who listen to our show who I never think do. But I don't know if this guy does, but it was on Twitter, and he's at the score... Excuse me, at the score zero one, And he said... Maybe, and the reason I like this, because it's something that I tend to say every week, but he says maybe one day fans will give credit to quality opposition players rather than just lazily blaming our players for being bad. City are a quality experienced side playing with confidence. Best defence in the league, which was true actually this year, and we are a work in progress with no confidence. And And I do think that that's a really, really sensible point now i tell you something.
2: I'm sorry, can I join issue with you? I'm
1: sorry. I knew you would. That's why I tried to very quickly go on to very the plug for Have I
2: got it? I give myself enough time by getting in very quickly.
1: you got five seconds. Oh, five seconds. Oh, good. No. I, uh... Go on, get it out.
2: Um, I've forgotten now. Oh,
1: no, uh... <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> can you remember or not?
2: Uh, uh, no, I can't remember what the set up oh, fuck's was, sake! Uh, it's like It's uh, like
1: having a goldfish on a podcast, isn't it? Bop, yeah, bop bop bop, bop 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 bop. All right, if you remember it, which I'm sure you will, I will allow you to bring it back in, no matter how irrelevant it might seem at the time. Oh yeah, right? every
2: room, Yeah, yeah. I find See, it very easy. For, every time. I find it
1: easy for people to say
2: that. Um, you know, you've got to give credit to the way they played. If you were a top side, you would stop them from playing that way, and you would play as well, if not better. That's what the great, our great sides did of the uh, of the naughties. That's what Frank and JT and um, Balak and Drogba, they then they played at their level or they stopped them from playing at that level. You can't say, oh, the other team were great. Oh, no, we're not quite up
4: to Hang on a minute. Hang on a
2: minute.
1: Hang on a minute!
2: This is supposed to be elite.
1: This is
4: an elite
2: team. This is
1: the man who breaks all rules of Chelsea fancast dumb by coming on here, extolling the virtues of quality players from other teams, left, right, and centre, getting all moist about it. Yeah. So yeah, but I what's wrong with that? City are like, a very I, good side. Very, I think actually they're score, a very good side, but
2: we should have stopped them from being a very
1: good well, side. I, stop I, them from playing. I, I agree with that, as you know, because I said earlier on. I said, look, yeah. sometimes you've got to hold your hand up and say, you know what? This they they they're potentially going to absolutely do us today. So we need to stop them from playing. Yeah, and I mean one of the com- one of the comments often levelled at managers like uh, Sean Dyche and Sam Allardyce, even Mourinho to a degree. Was the way that they would stop others playing, and I, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I don't give a damn about that. For me, it's all good. It's all grist to the mill in football. It's as much part of the game as it is banging ten past aside because you're so brilliant. If you got, if you're up against players who are better than you, stop them from playing. And I tell you what, this kind of feeds back into something that I meant to say earlier on, actually, which I'm going to ask Dean, but I'm sure you'll you'll want to say something like about this, Dean. It kind of came out of what you were saying earlier, I think. I think that we are far too easy to defend against. As a side, and I think that links into what you were both saying about the way that we, you know, Hudson and Doyle will run down the wing and then he'll stop and he'll try and bring other players in. There's not enough directness there. We're too easy to defend against.
3: I think the the issue is you know what each of those players is going to do, and there's no mix-up. You know, when Hakim Ziyech gets the ball on the right, he's going to cut in on his left foot and try and put the ball across. You know that from minute zero to minute 90. Yeah. You know that Pulisic is going to try and take on your fullback, so you double up on him. You know that from minute zero to minute 90. You know what Giroud's capable of. You know what so Abraham does. That's when it's you know cases of, of quality that the side matches. Hmm. You know, in regards to the tweet, I'd agree with JK that, you know, when they're playing teams that are bad and they break them down, then you say, well, they're a better team. When we're a team that wants to be that level, it's not good enough to say that they're better than us you know well, i think they are them. at the moment dean that's they are, why we yeah.
1: lost 3-1 and it could have been six but you don't set up to try and match them no i agree well we, i think we're agreeing there because i said yeah. that i said i wouldn't have done that i think he took a big gamble by doing that i for some reason he well as jk rightly says and says this nearly every week we're not on the training ground we don't see so maybe he felt that these are my best attackers and they're gonna gonna give them as much i mean you know they're gonna give as much as we're gonna get but i did not i don't was- agree
2: Two seasons ago, we defended and hit them on the break and yeah. beat them.
1: Well, I, I think we that's what we should have done, but there we go. Listen, we're going to move on. Uh, before we do, uh, a, a quick reminder um, about uh, CFC UK, which, of course, both me and uh, Dino write for. Uh, there's a new one. I can't even remember when I'd sent the bloody thing now, but was it last week? Is it out yet, Dean?
3: I think it's been published. Has it? We haven't got it yet, but I think it's available.
1: Well, um... As you know, you can't get it at the matches anymore because we're not allowed to go. But you can get it digitally by going uh, to cfcuk, dot, cfcuk.net uh, or you can still get it in the old post uh, for two quid uh, by post, including first class post delivery. And you send uh, an email to... Subscribe and get it by post and pay to cfcuk at gate17.co.uk. There is another place to get it. I must write this in the script because there's an app you can get this on as well. I don't know if you can remember what it is, Dean, can you? No. No, no, no. I can never remember. But I will start putting it in the script because it's important. Right. After the break, we're going to be talking about the rumours about Frank uh, being a little bit um, at peril in his future job prospects at Chelsea. We'll see you in a sec. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys
2: on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total Nutters and Proper Chelsea. Football Fancast.com.
1: Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and I've got, as ever, the delightful uh, J.K.
2: Lovely to be on the show, Chidge.
1: Who is? I can say this with absolute truth and honesty that he is talking out of his aurora borealis tonight.
2: That's very true, actually, because I uh, to explain to the uh, the the one person listening, um, I am uh, I am. Uh, I have a background of the Aurora Borealis. It's a very beautiful
1: so Aurora Borealis. I could therefore too.
2: pretend I was in
1: Finland. Here we go. Are yeah. you finish. Have I finished what? There we go. You almost got it. I, I heard that on Talksport well, the other clever. week. What, yeah, oh, it's one of clever. the one of the fun, One of the funniest uh, clips. It, it's up there with that uh, Geordie phoning up about. Um, I think it was uh, Mickey um, Mickey Fat Bloke. He's gone from my memory, thankfully. Quinn? Yes, that's the one, Mickey Quim. Uh, he's got so many goals. It's up it's there okay, with that one. Right. It has has so yeah. It's up there <laughs> with that one. But it's this Scottish bloke phoned up about a uh, Yari Lit- Litmanainen or whatever his name is, the the, the Finnish yeah. keeper, and and he and the and, and he goes, and, and the bloke goes, the pundit goes, he's he's finished because he thought he was Scottish and he thought he should be playing in the Scottish national team, but he's finished. No, no, he need finish He's only twenty eight. No, no, he's Finnish. <laughs> no, no, no. He's Scottish. No, no, he's Finnish. It's fucking funny. Anyway, we digress. Dean, we've got Dean Mears with us as well. I can assure you that Dean is not talking out of his Aurora Borealis. And I'm not Finnish either. And he's not Finnish either. Good response, Dino. Alright, great fun so far. Uh, and Now, uh, we need to talk to talk about some worrying matters, I think. Well, worrying if you're me and you know, you love Frank Lampard and you, you believe that great things are going to happen. But before we get into that, uh, our dear friend, I'm going to read out these quotes, actually. There's three quotes that really struck my eye, chaps, from Liam's article. Uh, the and um, uh, Basically, Liam and, and, and Simon Johnson uh, both claiming that there are people at the club, or the board, basically, are getting a bit restless and a bit fed up with the performances over the last five or six matches Uh, Frank is on notice and uh, they are kind of actively looking around for a new manager. What a surprise at Chelsea. Anyway, uh, the, the three quotes that really caught my eye are these. Tensions between Lampard and a number of individuals in his squad, particularly those who have found themselves outside his group of trusted regular starters, have been growing for some time and now factor into the board's assessment of the overall health of the situation at Cobham. Uh, Chelsea have three fewer points after the first 17 matches of this Premier League season, 26, than they did at the same stage of the 2019-20 campaign, 29. A return that is regarded as unacceptable given the club spent well in excess of £200 million in transfer fees and made vast salary commitments to bring in Havertz, Werner, Ben Chilwell, Hakim Ziyech, Eduard Mendy and Thiago Silva. And the final quote His pleas for understanding are not convincing the key decision makers at Stamford Bridge as they consider the best way to maximise the talent they have assembled. Now, my first point, I mean, to say that I loathe the pillocks who run Chelsea Football Club would be the grossest understatement ever made in the universe of all time. To think that they think that they know anything about football. I mean, God rest his soul. And I knew him, and I loved him to pieces. Ray Wilkins had it right when he basically told them to fuck off because they knew nothing about football. Of course, he then got fired. But, you know... And you find Clough did that as well, didn't you? Yeah, but somebody had to say it, JK. Look, the the real point, apart from me going off about the board, as always, is this comes as no surprise to me because this, my friends, brothers and sisters, comrades in arms, this has nothing to... Nothing to do with football. Chelsea is a global corporate brand. The only thing this club, they stole it from us a long time ago. It's nothing about football. They stole the soul. This is all about money. It's all about returns on investment. They will not tolerate not playing Champions League football. Not because of the glory about it. They wouldn't give a shit. You know what? They would be happy if they did an Arsenal. And as long as they made enough money every year from the Champions League, they wouldn't give a shit if we never won it again. What they care about is potential losses of revenue. And when they've spent two hundred and twenty-two million quid on players, which, by the way, as Jonathan rightly pointed out, I bet you that Frank didn't have much of a say in most of those players that turned up. These are all these are all Granofsky's picks, no doubt, because of course she's the greatest scout ever. You know, her football knowledge is just insurmountable. Um, well,
2: that's something I did say that actually, George. What? what you just said, Jonathan pointed out that, I, that it was all down to um, Marina. I
1: don't. I think. I think no, you yeah. pointed out that they're not all Frank's picks. No, but indeed.
2: But I still think that it's likely, given the setup with Czech at the moment, that there is more of an input.
1: I, 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 I had hoped that, Jake. Well, we, we hope that. I yeah. had hoped, but we yeah. don't well, know. It doesn't really
2: matter, though, does it? He, he's been. Well, if it's all the worse if they're his players, if he's. But we
1: don't. We don't know.
2: We don't know, but even if he's been provided with them and he's the manager, can I? Can I? And they top, top banana. He, if he's not making them, can I work, just
1: finish my point on this? Yes,
2: I'm sorry, I. Because I, I,
1: I'll forget it, and I don't want to do a JK. You know, right,
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll give. Can I give you five? <laughs> yes, I'll be quick. One, two.
1: But no, three, the point. The point four, is, it's all five. about money. They, they can't. They will not. They're like a business. You know, that will get, they'll get, I mean, they'll never get rid of any of themselves. They'll never take any responsibility for failure. They'll never take any culpability for it. They'll just fire the easiest people to fire and blame it on them. That's what corporate people do. That's what chief executives do. Because they're never there, hang on, they're never there for the long term. They're never there for the long term. They don't give a shit about the long term. It's all about short term that they can walk away and say, well, we did a great job. They're not about building anything, they're just about, parasitically fleecing things and it's all about the money that's what this is about not about the football but did we not
2: expect this
1: yeah um, yeah that, yeah yeah
2: really you know i mean uh it, we're all in love with frank if as long as they finish top four and have a decent run in the champions league and play some decent football which looks as if that would be the case after the after the first the unbeaten run um and this is why i'm bewildered the fact that you know, you've got those lovely, intricate passes between Chilwell, um, Pulisic and uh, uh, and Mount and anybody on the left-hand side and Werner. And they look to be taking teams to the cleaners and they don't appear to be able to replicate that at all now. Yeah, but- the speed. Well, they did this last season, though. Exactly the same thing happened. They were they they speedily pushed the ball around. Is it therefore Werner? But it becomes irrelevant. As you say to the board, it's no good looking pissed off, Chidge. Everybody at home, Chidge has got his head in his hands. Because hand. you're,
1: you're getting sidetracked off what the big issue, the big picture is.
2: No, no, and no, I'm not getting sidetracked off it at all. I know that they demand a top four finish in Champions League. And at the moment, it looks as if neither is going why, to be why happening. Why do they demand that? Because they, they just demand it because of the bank balance. Yes. Entirely. No, I I know with that. But, but, but that's. That's because they've invested 200 million in these. I I, I
1: know what you're saying. I'm not I'm not trying to be all kind of like idealistic and naive here. You know, we have all we all sold our souls to the devil for success. in two thousand and four. therefore
2: our desire earlier on to think it'll be fine. He'll create a dynasty because he's working with the youth. It doesn't matter where they finish was was actually cloud cuckoo land.
1: Yeah, maybe so. But I think this is this is a very salient point. You know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about this. And, OK, maybe we were a bit fucking stupid and naive. I hold my hand up. Because I genuinely felt... And certainly, you know, look, come on. We we sit sit around every week saying we don't know anything at all. But we're actually a lot closer to what's going on there than a lot of people are. And generally, the runes that we were reading were that this was a chance for a reset. We, yeah. Ac- yeah, we, all, we all knew... It's the youth. Uh, yeah, exactly. And we all knew that Roman set a lot of stall by the youth, was basically increasingly getting up the hump that none of his little prod- protégés were coming through. This was a right, chance... Right,
2: so they're winning, they're winning European championships. Chance like, for a reset,
1: like. chance for a reset, and do it a different way. Do you know, I'll tell you what I'm reminded of. Dean won't remember this, but JK certainly will. It kind of reminds me a bit when uh, Brian Clough turned up at Leeds in 74 and says, young men, young men, all those medals, those medals you won last year, you can throw them in the bin because you got them through cheating, young men, you know, because you hadn't done it the right way. And I thought this was a chance for us to re- to build something, to do it differently, to be more organic, to bring the youth through, to dose it with a few world-class players and, and, and admit and accept and understand that this will not happen in a year, that this will take three, four years, like it did with Klopp at Liverpool. Yes, but he
2: has slightly ruined it, therefore, by buying all these players, because that gets in the way of the of the. I don't think it was Frank in. sitting
1: there going, "Oh, can you go and buy me lots of players for £20 million? I think they came to said, "We we have had our eyes on these players for a long time. We really like them. They're a good investment because they're young. So you we think? can we can resell them in five years to Real Madrid and make more money out of it." Uh, what are you going to do? He's going to say, "Yeah, of course he's going to say yeah." You would, I would, Dean would. Even if it, um,
2: uh, it demolishes the philosophy that he felt that he was embracing by just bringing through the youth, you're going to say, yeah, I understand that, but it means he's put com- different pressure on himself because he's brought players who have to perform.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And, he, and they're not performing. So, in a, in a sense, he's, he's created a, a perfect storm for himself.
1: But that notwithstanding... I mean, here's the thing, Dean. I mean I, I mean, we, John and I, Jonathan and I as, as we always do, have got ourselves entangled in a right old ding dong about it. Can, can please bring some perspective to the lunacy of J.K. and Chidge? I, I think you're right in
3: what you said about you know the, the noise coming out of the club was this was a transfer of reset, and you know, I believe that was the case. I think this is the biggest impact of COVID and not having supporters in the ground, and then all of a sudden you're losing revenue. You've got a CEO at the club now that is solely driven by revenue and money with no interest in football whatsoever. You know, you can discuss...
1: knowledge about it.
3: Yeah, exactly. And then now you're wondering, is this guy going to get to Champions League football? Whereas I think if there wasn't sort of COVID and the supporters were there and he had that support vocally in the ground, there would be no question that they would follow through with that reset. You know, now there's nobody there. And so I tweeted after the game, you know, if, if I was running a football club, I was thinking about sacking the manager who happened to be probably the most popular person associated with that club I would do it when there's no fans there
1: you made that point on twitter didn't you it's a very yeah. very good point because I think I mean this is the thing that people might not understand because they have never been to Stanford Bridge or whatever I mean I know it's really hard actually because I've seen a lot of you know waverings uh about Lampard as a manager I've seen a lot of Resignation, well, what do you expect? And I mean, look, you know, I'm not a complete idiot, you know, I'll back Frank unequivocally, of course, but you know, nobody's bigger than the club, and I get that. But um, most of the people who go to the game week in, week out, I'm sure would be backing him to the hilt. And I think if, if, as Dean is saying, if Stamford Bridge was full of 42,000 people every week, and there were rumblings of Frank being fired. I think there'd be a damn damn near be a riot there. But because there are no fans in there, I think you're right, Dean. I think if they were going to do it at all, this is the time to do it because they'd get they away with it. They couldn't abide the anti Bonitas chanting. Oh, they, well, really they would couldn't. be eviscerated if they were to stuff Frank in while we we're all there, don't you think? Yeah, oh, completely. There would be. Uh, We'd burn there, it down, mate.
2: They, yeah, there would be. there'd well, be, be demonstrations. I think people would. I think there'd be up. more than that. If people wouldn't turn up, I reckon. No, I think
1: like I that. think it'd be worse because I think we're in a very febrile atmosphere at the moment, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it. I would get nasty. Bitch invasions. I'll be up have for that. I'd be up for that. Rip my seat back. up, throw yeah, it at the fucking board, yeah. love it. Yeah. Set light to the fucking place, mate. Come the revolution, I'm up for a bit of that. There is some really interesting kind of statistical stuff going on with this, which I want to pick a few holes in. I know you've got my multicolored scripts, gentlemen, and I know how much you love them. Oh yes, yes excuse but, me a second. I'll just but have this,
2: a little... this, was, this was this was in
1: the um, this was in the piece that Liam did, oh. and, and I'm really very annoyed about this. But I'm going to make a point that nobody else would have made. Of course, very easy to do uh, a little diagram uh, about how Lampard compares to Chelsea's Premier League managers. To have him, oh, where is he? He's uh fourth from bottom and there i mean one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifty sixteen premier league managers he is uh 12th right he's played uh you know he's played more games than a lot of them uh his win percentage is 49 percent so that's why he gets well win percentage is 49 and his goal uh points per game is 1.67 which is why he's in 14th below. Andre Vias Boas, who actually had a 48% win rate, uh, win rate, and uh, John Luca Vialli, who had a 48% win rate. You can't fucking compare like with like here. We're pl- talking about completely different teams. The, what what I find interesting about this J.K. is to make more of a comparison with I think, uh, Bo- Vias Boas, I think is a good example, but also Hullett. Uh, and Glenn Hoddle, I'm not going to compare him to Porterfield because we were we were, we were were shit then, let's be honest. But um, Rude Hullet and Glenn Hoddle, I think I think Glenn Hoddle in particular is a very good comparison because I think if you look at what Frank is doing, transfer ban, bringing the youth in, trying to do something different, trying to do something new, I think that actually bears a lot more comparison and he's doing way better than Hoddle is. I think we had
2: rose-coloured specks on when Hoddle was manager just because it, it brought Hullet in. And we still didn't play very well and kept finishing 12th. But it was the fact that we'd made an effort under Bates to look as if we were making progress by getting in a, um, a young top ex-player to be our manager rather than the man who'd scored the Another goal. Another
1: good comparison.
2: Uh, in, the, uh, in the FA Cup final, Porterfield. Um, uh, and and uh, even Bobby Campbell was, you know, decent, but there, there was a kind of, Hoddle at least gave us a, um, uh, just a feeling of that he was a star player, uh, he might be able to mould the side into something, and he occasionally played, and all right, he got us to the cup final, so, you know, um, good on him, and it started everything off because Hullet was was attracted to play for them because, because Hoddle was there. So, uh, in a sense, he was kind of totemic, but didn't do much. But um, Viesh Boas was too young and was too incapable of dealing with the players, the player power, um, uh, and should never have crouched. I mean, it's just, isn't it interesting how time has changed that Bielsa can sit on a, a crate, on his own little padded drinks crate, and um, or crouch and everybody treat, treats him as a kind of guru. And poor old Vish Boas, who was constantly crouching, everybody thought was you know did he have a problem with his his ass or something or what was going on? Um, the poor man. I mean, I, I felt for him. And he was trying to change the whole um, the whole uh, ethos in the club uh, completely at the wrong time. Um, uh, but I think he's he's proven he wasn't the, the the great manager that could have been because he hasn't done very well anywhere else. He's done okay. Um, but it, I th- I think it, it, it players come, um, um, managers come with a kind of baggage of their of, of their abilities as a player with them in many instances, and it's quite good if you don't really know who they are very much because then it allows you to assess them as a manager. And uh, the the problem is is that um, I think lots of people will will be annoyed with Frank um ultimately if he, if the, this run goes on because he isn't fulfilling what we thought that he would be doing which is um pushing all this is this is not the the more intelligent fan he would be pushing him everything in front of him because he was the great frank lampard um so i feel that he's under even more pressure to to uh to deliver because of who he is i'm afraid
1: yeah but that's i know what you mean but uh, dean that makes no sense in another way because you know, he, he's, as, as I keep saying, he's hugely inexperienced at, at this level of management. Now, I, I don't actually have a, a massive problem with that. I mean, of course, the real issue, and I think Jonathan's right here, but it, the real issue is how, you know, are, are the club prepared to spunk all this money away uh, and allow Frank to learn how to be a manager? And I think the short answer of that will probably end up being no. Um, But, I mean, just because, you know, there are plenty of... I mean, Pep Guardiola was a legend at Barcelona and his first job was at Barcelona. Ruud Hullett and Luca Vialli both won trophies having played for us. You know, I I don't buy this kind of... You know, great players don't make great managers. Nonsense, because there are far too many examples of great players no, who become I don't great managers. You
2: compare Guardiola and uh, and Frank. In that no, instance. no,
1: no, no. I'm not trying to because compare a them in that. Completely
2: different set of players. No, I,
1: I I agree. But I'm, the point I'm making is that you get a lot of people saying, "Oh, you know, great players don't make great managers." That's clearly bollocks, because a lot of great players have become great managers. So there's no reason why Frank can't be a great manager. But I I do wonder. About Chelsea's ability to be tolerant of allowing him to learn the job under their watch, I just don't think it's the kind of thing that Chelsea will do, Dean. No, it's, it's not, and it,
3: but it's not particularly the situation that you want to allow a manager to, you know, gain experience like that. You know, coming into a club of Chelsea level with a transfer ban, and then also selling their best player who they've relied on for for seven years, yeah, and then saying, okay, well, you learn to become an elite manager, is a lot different to. Say Guardiola taken over from Barcelona B, and say, well, there's Lionel Messi, Chavi, and Iniesta. Yeah. Implement a new game plan that you that you think the team can play. You know, it, totally. It's so easy. Well, it's not easy for him to do, but it's a lot simpler for him to do because yeah, no. there's no background issues, and that's without taking in everything else that's happened in the last sort of twelve months in general society as well.
1: I think Dean's making some really good points here because I think there are huge mitigating. You know, fact is that the co. this is a weird season, whatever we... Th- I mean, just look everywhere else in the league. You know, Liverpool haven't set the world on light this year. There have been some really odd results kicking up all over the place. Nobody seems to be running away with it. Everybody seems vulnerable to being beaten. I'm wondering if the regularity of the games, the weird conditions, the pot- potential fatigue because of the, the quick turnover of matches. Dean mentioned, Jonathan mentioned, no fans being in the stadium. You know we mentioned the new team trying to bed in earlier on these these things there I still think there's a lack of quality in terms of depth as my article for football london made clear last week there's a lot of other factors here the other thing as i said and i'm going to go back to what we started this discussion uh, about which is you know I, I i i okay it's easy for me to say isn't it it's easy for me and jonathan to say actually We've we've watched Chelsea for a long time. We've watched Chelsea for years without winning anything. I love the fact that we've been winning everything now. But, you know, I, I always want us to win. I always want to win a trophy every year. I really, really do. But I could stomach, I could bear, I could bear three years of not winning a trophy if it meant we really built something, bringing in the kids that played for the academy, which means an awful lot, with a manager who who was a legend for the club, and 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 watch him grow and develop into a great Mike? I could bear that. OK, if it doesn't work after three, four years, then, then you, you, you rip it up and you start again. But not after a year and a half. And the first year of that being just a nuts year with no transfers being spent. Dean, you'll like this. I know you like a stat or two. Um, who did I nick this off? Grant James, I think. It was either Grant James or Gary Hayes. But this is oh god, it's type's so bloody small I can't read it. But Klopp's first seasons at Liverpool, two thousand fifteen, sixteen, two thousand sixteen, seventeen. He was I can't read this, it's so fucking small, That's a stupid boy. I should have printed it out bigger. But I mean, you know, Liverpool were losing horrendously. I mean they lost Well, they would have lost to Leicester anyway, because they were good, but I'm just try Watford. They lost 3 0 to Watford. They lost 2-0 to Newcastle. Uh, 7, 16 seven sixteen-seventeen was even worse. They went on a run in January, interestingly enough. They drew Toole versus Sunderland. They drew 0-0 with Plymouth at home in the FA Cup. They lost 1-0 to Southampton in the EFL Cup. They drew 1-1 with United. They lost oh sorry, they beat Plymouth 1-0 in the replay in the Cup. They lo- lost at home 3-2 to Swansea. They then lost at home 1-0 to Southampton, they lo- they then then lost at home two one to Liverpool. Then they drew against us one all. They then lost away to Hull two uh, nil, and then they beat Tottenham two nil. Well, everybody beats Tottenham, obviously. And then they lost three one to uh, Leicester away. So one two three four five six defeats in basically a couple of months. Right. We've lost. OK, it's been crap. We've lost some really shit matches. It's been pretty dreadful. But before that, we were unbeaten for a long time. Maybe we can come out of this rut. Well,
2: taking what you said before, what, what we've talked about before, about what you said before, about teams going in bursts and people like Everton then being looking dreadful against Fulham and then losing three in a row and then coming back again. Leicester are the same. Leicester of suddenly um, having lost some dreadful games. Have actually put a run together, and perhaps yes, perhaps you're completely right. It's a lot to do with the, the the fixtures all piling up, and people having to 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 provide their best, and they're not fit enough, or whatever. So perhaps you know he beats Morecambe, they get the the confidence to beat Fulham, they then go back on another run, and we won't be having this conversation, and uh, and Frank saves saves his career, but it's um it's it. It's the. I mean, as I said, I watched Everton play against Fulham second half. Everton were as bad as we were, and you can't understand it. You just think what is going on with these clubs, with these sides, because they played really well um, the week before, and that's why. When I think they Everton played us, I thought, well, if they play as badly as that, we're going to beat them easily, and they didn't. They somehow they. We, we know we fell for the Everton curse up at Goodison Park, but we didn't didn't appear to have the right mentality for it. But perhaps this is what this this COVID season has created—a kind of uh, um, inability to string huge uh, runs together. That's why we thought they were title challengers because they'd had, amidst everybody else having these surges of of incompetence, the team actually um, looked as if we were we were going to stay at the uh, at the top of the league. And yet, here we are in a dip. But can we get out of it? In which case, none of this, if we didn't string together four wins or um, five games without defeat, all this would just fall apart And if we start playing decently. I think the Fulham game, therefore, becomes very, very important.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Dean, what what do you think? I mean, particularly that little comparison with Liverpool. I mean, I I know... I mean, it goes back to that old question again, doesn't it? Is that, you know, is Chelsea in terms of its, you know, management as a club. Is Chelsea a, a a leopard that has managed to change its spots or not? Because, you know, Liverpool, Klopp particularly, took a long time, really, to get that Liverpool going. It took him a long time to get the wrong players out and the right players in. Those, I mean, if you look at that run of games that I just mentioned there, on the current basis, Lamp would be uh, Lamps would be fired after a run like that. I mean, look at who he's losing to there. Yeah, I think
3: in Klopp's case in Liverpool, it helps that the ownership of people that have been involved in sports, you know, not football particularly, but understanding that financial dominance in the industry comes from dominance on the football pitch. You know, look at the dynasty that sort of Man United have, have created under Sir Alex, and the way they're still able to spend huge amounts of money despite not being successful for a few years now. You know, if, if Klopp had been Chelsea manager and had that sort of results, he probably would have been sacked. Yeah, Chelsea manager, you know the project that he was on would have been stopped. And the difference is at Liverpool that the project was to get themselves back to the top and take the the rough with the smooth. And I think for us, having people in that boardroom that have no involvement in sports and it is purely business, it doesn't mirror up. And that's always going to be a problem for whoever manages a football club, is that they are governed on results and being in the champions league and you know like you said if they could finish in the champions league every year they would take that over any trophy that you could give them because it gives them stability to make big financial deals that they do outside of the game you know with companies all over the world whereas in in liverpool they've made that decision to to rebuild the team first and the brand second and we are totally brand first and, and team second
1: yeah i i do wonder dean as well um, I mean, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because as I said, I mean, we're all on Twitter, all pretty active on that. And, and it would be easy to say, oh, it's all those bloody foreigners that want Frank out and they don't know anything about football. They've never even been to London, let alone Stamford Bridge. It'd be very easy to say that, but it's not true. There's plenty of blokes that I know have been going longer than me who are throwing their toys out of the pram about this, which makes me think that there's something else going on here. And I do, I mean, it's what I meant here as Roman created a monster fan base in his own image. Because let's be under no illusion here. The buck stops with Roman. And maybe he is the classic kind of glory hunting, plastic, just want success every game type of fan. He doesn't really understand not winning. He doesn't understand that you need to go through a bit of pain sometimes to get even more pleasure, you know, that he can't stomach it. He can't bear not winning. The kind of people I was digging out last week, in a sense you know and of course the, the, the hang on hang on let me just finish the point jk because the thing that happens is that it's really interesting watching the media respond to this kind of thing and a lot of the fanboys fan base because what they all think what you hear repeatedly all the time is oh we can't go on because you know what will happen you know what romans like itchy trigger finger and all of that it's impossible to change that narrative because i think it's sunk so deeply into everybody's uh, unconscious uh longer term fans included jk
2: yeah, but I, I, as I said before, he, to an extent, Frank has, has made himself vulnerable by um, having these players come in who are sort of symptomatic of, of the we can, we can buy success. In a sense, he's proved to the media, uh, Roman, that yes, that that's what he likes to try and do and uh, by, by buying all these players. So the pressure is, 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 has to be put on Frank. If Frank had been left dealing with the youth and bringing them out, the media would have loved him. Uh, but it, I don't. Is it that Roman likes buying success? Perhaps he doesn't. Perhaps he is that kind of man. He's a businessman. He buys a player who's, who's worth 70 million and he wants him to perform like a player. Well, worth.
1: Give, given that his wealth was handed to him on a plate, he's never had to work for it. So maybe that's the answer to the question, isn't it?
2: Indeed. indeed. But also I, I, what you said, Dean, earlier, that it was it was brand first, team second. I think the problem they've got, though, is that they've built up such an enormous brand as a consequence of the success that they want to maintain it. I don't yeah. think it's brand first, team second. I think it's brand came as a consequence of the success. And they have to keep the monster going. They've got to keep it moving along. And perhaps they worked out that during this, we don't know what's happening from a, from a um, in the marketing world there. Perhaps they worked out that during the period where um, they had the kids in, uh, the brand was suffering somewhere i don't know i'm trying to i'm i'm not trying to excuse the board i'm trying to work out um why there is potential for 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 dispensing with frank given the the excellence of the whole project you know
1: dean you look like you wanted to come in on that
3: yeah i was going to say that you know at the start of, of roman he brought in peter kenyon and he understood the the two are combined you can't have one without the other and now you've got people that don't understand that you can't have the team without the the brand without the team and they're expecting that 200 million results in a team that challenges for the league again
1: yeah but of course we all know anybody who knows anything about football knows that that's not necessarily the case i think you make an interesting point jk about the 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 young the youth i mean i know we all absolutely love the fact that they're playing for us because we have the same kind of bond with the club that they do but the modern supporter, the younger supporter, as we know, are 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 guided predominantly by their FIFA, experiences FIFA, on FIFA. FIFA led. Yeah, yeah, you know, we know that we've seen this kind of move where supporters, uh, they follow players, not clubs anymore. So what they want are the best talented players in the world, no matter where they're from playing for the club. They don't give a shit about the Rhys Jameses, the Mason Mounts and the Tammy Abrahams of this world because they're not wunderkind from Werder Bremen or... You know, I don't know, you know, exactly what we're saying, you know, these kind of FIFA type stellar players that you can go and buy with lots of money. Who knows? Listen, I think I should bring a little bit of perspective in here at the moment because, you know, Frank is still in the job. And uh, I I thought it was really interesting today. I don't know if you kept up with the news today, boys. But, uh, Dean, um, I've seen a lot of news coming out from a lot of the big hitters in, in 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 the football media saying that they're basically not in a hurry to get rid of Frank, his job's safe at the moment, they'll give him at least till the end of the season to figure out what they do, which I think would be a lot more level-headed, I have to say.
3: Yeah, I think it's probably the minimum that he deserves as well for for who he is. I mean, I know we talk about you separate the player from the manager, but you, you can't really give him that he is who he is in terms of this club's history. You know, the way he conducts himself, the way he sort of brought this club back together at the start of his campaign after the season before with Sarri, you know, he deserves the credit of, you know, having the chance to get this team back on track and, and get back to the Champions League, which isn't impossible. You know, you just need a run of three or four games and you're right back at the top of this table. If you look at Klot's been at Liverpool now, I think it's his sixth or seventh season, uh, the last Chelsea manager that got that long was Dave Sexton. <laughs>
1: That's a really good point that's a really good buy. it's a different game now and i accept that i mean what i think maybe you know talking about Roman and 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 you know you know, the kind of way he runs the club i mean it is hard to argue you know we've fired lots of managers we won lots of trophies but i do think that the players quite you know have quite a lot to do with that i i just feel that this is a real opportunity to really do it differently to build something for the future you know the club doesn't want to be spending hundreds of millions of pounds on new players every year and the opportunity to bring some through i don't know for me it would be more of a connection i think ultimately jk it just boils down to what kind of a supporter you are and I, and I don't mean that in a qualitative sense it's just really what floats your boat you know is it all about winning trophies every year winning every game for you or or is 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 there something else that connects you to the club i think everybody's different in a, in a way and there's no i don't have any problem with that
2: i'm always torn between the two you know i love us winning uh, I, as, I as do i you know I, I love us playing wonderful football i can look at various seasons and think that was the the joy of watching them um take teams apart with with and brilliant individual players but playing as a team um uh, is that seared on my memory the the, the brilliance of that whereas the the when uh, I mean, having said that some of the appalling moments that i've 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 managed to bury from our past when we looked as if we were going to win games and then managed to shoot ourselves in the foot uh, 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 probably traumatized me in some way but i i
1: i think they've made you a very rounded emotionally intelligent person Jacob. i
2: think you think you have to deal with disappointment as a football
1: as a person as a human
2: as a very positive in a very positive way yeah yeah it's um yeah uh, i would always that's why i wanted my daughter to be be a chelsea fan be a football fan just so that she could um, yes, she could good. suffer the pain of being being a football supporter but um uh but no i i but no there is that dreadful thing of thinking yes he's he's got the money buy all the best players yeah let's beat everybody then part of you thinks well actually no it's nice to see somebody build a team together um and uh and that's why i think that we were so attracted to the um, with Frank coming with the youth, it just made, it, it was a kind of dream team. And this is why this is, this is, um, kind of inevitable, this whole process of people doubting Frank, but at the same time, um, it's, it's, you just have to accept it. You accept that. Yeah. If the, for me, if the manager doesn't come up with a way to make the team work, then, um, his, his, uh, uh, his life at the club is a is a short one. I'm, it's just the way it is. You 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 know if, if we're not if this was the sixties, possibly he would have he'd he'd hang on he'd hang on longer if he'd got a terrible run of results. I mean I, I'm I'm as I say that's why I think the Fulham game is is well I I think I think the club would be foolish to get rid of him in this season as was been said because of the mitigating circumstances of of COVID and yet we're dealing with Um, a chairman who has got rid of, of managers on a whim. So, and that's, what's made him a success. We keep talking about this. You know, everybody always says, I'm sure other clubs, they always go, Oh, Chelsea finished again, Chelsea imploding again. And then we come back and we win trophies. And that's what the, the, that's how it's worked under, under Roman. So I'm, you know, you, you, you accept, you have to accept, but it, 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 it's a, it's, it's very Chelsea. This it's, it's since Roman took over. It's, it's the highs and the lows are enormous, but the highs have well, been I, so fantastic. I, 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 the, what have, what have the, the lows been? What have the lows been? The lows have been just losing a single match or going that's, under. But that's just losing, n- losing. I know it's nuts, but it's, it's losing, nuts, losing four in a row. It's losing. This is a low. What we're experiencing at the moment. This is a low. I'm finding this a low. I'm finding watching them... I think this is a blip, mate. Well, no, but hang on. Well, a blip, it's still a low. It's a blip, maybe a blip. We don't know yet. It may be such a blip that he loses his job. Yeah, but I just think that's... But it's a low in that we're not sustaining the... The brilliance that we sustained for 14 games that makes it all the well, worse. I don't
1: think we were particularly brilliant I mean, for 14 games. I thought we were great. I no,
2: thought we were building on it. It I was excellent. Yeah. We were looking better and better. I would say
1: we were on the right trajectory and it looked to be going well, but there were a lot I'm of things not being slightly pessimistic. No, then. I'm not I went being, away with no, I'm went, not yes, being yes, pessimistic. Yes, I'm being yes, realistic, and you know that we can go. back. I mean, I'm sure we got euphoric on the occasion because that's what we do. We love, love, love doing this, and we love watching Chelsea win but I we were all aware that there were that you know it wasn't absolutely in equilibrium and perfect yet and, and I wasn't I wasn't my, I just I thought it was going to go off the scale yeah, well, I, thought,
2: I said early on in the season didn't uh, I said, okay we're gonna win everything I'm gonna I give said you, we're
1: gonna win everything I'm, we're great I'm gonna give you a psychology lesson now have you ever heard of uh, beyond the pleasure principle
2: uh, there was a band called that. no now
1: you're thinking of Gary Newman but uh That was pretty good recall, I have to say. But it's about really children. And this is the important point. Children are driven by their libidinous instincts. In other words, they seek pleasure. Their whole life revolves around pleasure and instant gratification. And as a parent, it's your job to acquaint, acquaint them with the reality of life, which is fucking disappointment, all right? And the best way to do this, to, to get them out of the pleasure principle... Take them to Chelsea. To take them to Chelsea. I think that actually would be a better one, but certainly in the late 70s, that would have been really cruel. Oh. Uh, a Mr. Beadle-like. But anyway, what the the, the, the classic test is, what is, is what's called the marshmallow test. So you go up to a child and you say... I have two marshmallows here. You can have both of them now, or you can save one for later. What are you going to do? Of course, most kids go, Oh, I have both now. I'm going to have them both now because they've got no understanding of how to postpone their gratification. And I think what we're talking about here as a club is a child that has not developed beyond the pleasure principle stage of their development.
2: No, but can't can't you look at the other aspect of it, which is if they're playing really well? Dean's asleep, by the way, just like Yeah, rightly so. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Dean's starting. He's he's deriving no
2: pleasure from this podcast whatsoever. He's starting his own fancast.
1: He could probably probably do his while this is going on. He could, he could, you know, double (laughs) bubble. Doing it now, (laughs) it's recording his own. (laughs) No, we should because of our unfortunate technical issue. We should wrap this part up because we've got loads and loads of stuff to talk about yet, and I don't want to keep you all up too late. But before I do. Uh, just our weekly reminder to uh to join the Chelsea supporters trust we've got a board meeting tomorrow night this is lovely we 're back to work very quickly um obviously it's uh it's it's very important because it it gives you an opportunity for you to air your frustrations and and views about the supporter issues to the club we get really good access to them apart from me because I spend most of my time slagging them off but the other more sensible level-headed members of the trust or board don't they're much more adult than I am and less petulant but anyway it is a good thing to be uh, to get together because obviously the more more we have more members we have the bigger the voice we have the more uh, influence we can wield uh, it's five pounds to be a voting member which means obviously that you can vote and also entitles you to attend the, the the regular meetings that we have you can also be a non-voting member for absolutely free but either way you need to go to com and you need to follow them on twitter at chelsea s trust now we'll be back after the break jonathan's been talking about the 60s already with good reason because we lost uh our brilliant brilliant uh, manager from the 60s and tommy doherty Uh, Last week, so Jonathan and I, and Dean too, no doubt, will pay our tribute to him after the break. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea Football Fancast. Right, welcome back. This is Stamford Chidge. And, of course, it's the Chelsea Fancast on a Monday night, live and direct on Mixler. And, as ever, I have the wonderful uh, Mr Jonathan Kidd.
2: Lovely to be here, as always, Jim.
1: Always good to see you, my friend. And, of course, we've got the lovely Dean Mears, the bastion evening. of the Chelsea Fancast these days. Good evening, Chidge. Pleasure to be back on the show. Always good to see you too, mate. Right, Uh, We had a good old cool blimey. I mean, that was an hour and a half's worth of nattering about uh, the current state of the Chelsea nation. I hope we've uh, resolved some things there. Uh, Never easy. Never, ever easy at Chelsea. It's in our DNA. Lunacy is what this club does, and it does it better than anybody else, and that's kind of why we love it. Um, And if proof were needed, JK, a reminder of that, uh sadly came about last week really when we we lost um a chap that you and i have been talking about uh for quite some time uh largely because of our 50 years of chelsea series that we will we will reignite at some stage um but tommy doherty the doc sadly passed away at the age of 92 uh on new year's eve what a shitty way to end what was a shitty year um you i know because i i mean i i writ i wrote i writ i writ an obit for him i read i read i read an obit for him for football london and i even sent it to them on new year's day which i thought was well above and beyond the call of duty and i did actually quote jk a lovely passage that he wrote and sent me and one that tim roll sent me but i've not seen it go up yet so i don't know what's happened to it but never mind but you did write me I, I, i've actually do you know what what you wrote me jk was so good I'd like to put that up on our website, if I may.
2: Love you to. Thank you. It very much. It was beautifully right.
1: written, and Dean will oh, love oh, me. He'll I, think that I, about...
2: I, I tossed it off very quickly. Who uh. oh, were? God, I better do this. But, um, um, but yeah, I was trying to uh, I was trying to evoke something that was very much of my um, absolutely my childhood. It was a bit like watching starting off watching um, uh, the, the the 2008 side, as if you'd only had success. Because when I first started watching Chelsea. I didn't really take them on board until I was about seven. Um, and that was the season where they were running away with the second division title. And then you had the uh, the four months of the, the great freeze. And they lost the plot when they came back to play and started losing everything. And then only just made up for it in the last few games where they beat Sunderland away and then beat Portsmouth 7-0 at home. And um, and I was, I was shocked by the fact that at the time when it was revealed to me that Doherty had Um, played with uh, I mean they're all youth everybody was youth and that was also that was something that was so accessible for you when you're eight as you think these players playing aren't that much older than me and it is unbelievably attractive as a as a kid to know that somebody I know they look you know they look like adults because they're uh, um, they're on the football pitch and they're they're men but the fact that they weren't that far away from you age-wise it gave you a kind of aspiration you actually thought well I can I could be me out there and I'm then you one know, had great dreams of, of training with the team. and particularly since I didn't mention this, I used used to collect autographs all the time and, uh, and they were all terribly good at um, signing and if I've got some my dad um, used to pick up um, an extra ticket for me to go along with him and um, see if he could get get me sitting next to him in the East stand. Uh, and if not, he'd get me a ticket for uh, uh, somewhere else in a stand, just because he liked me sitting and watching them. Which is something I've I've always loved ever since. I like sitting down. Not a great one for standing. And um, and he took lots of uh, um, of uh, cinema footage of 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 the everybody in their suits. Everybody wore suits in that period. They always wore um, shirts and ties. And uh, that was just what you wore. And they were all outside the office at Stamford Bridge. But the doc at the time, what you don't appreciate at the time I said, I'm talking about the Portsmouth game. Um, he played uh, a formation that was just bizarre, which is he played uh, this 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 centre forward, Derek Kevin, who hadn't played at all, who they'd signed from West Bromwich. Um, they uh, thought and they'd had... signed Kevin Derrick. That's exactly who they thought they'd signed. The great Kevin Derrick, who played for England and scored so many goals. And in fact, no, no, Derrick Kevin had actually signed. Had actually scored. He'd been an England international, but he didn't fit. It was the kind of thing he didn't fit into um, uh, into the Docks setup because he had lots of very quick. It's very similar to today, just but with Giroud. Uh, very quick players here. Barry Bridges playing centre forward. He was very speedy. Um, and I, I, it was the speed that the ball was pinged about. And you just accepted that. And of course, um, uh, as I say, when he played Frank Upton up front, he was a centre half and they, and Ta- probably Tamley So he played, I think four, three, three um, and Tambling scored four and they beat one seven nil. And I was hooked from then on. I mean, I went anyway, but I was absolutely hooked to watch them. And so tried to saw every home game the following season. And I was, I was nine and, uh, but they played an unbelievably quick style with all these boys who'd won the Youth Cup. And it was joyous. It was joyous going along with them, um, just seeing this terrific football. And of course, he also invented, uh, invented. He, it was he who decided that they should play with blue shorts uh, and, and made the, uh, the iconic Colours that obviously we've other than a couple of seasons where we've had blue socks, which always offended me. Um, blue, blue, and white was always the best best outfit. Um, but he from then on he just uh went from strength to strength. And they should have won the league in the four years he was there, and they should have won um uh, the FA Cup, and they didn't. They got to the final, and they did win the league cup, but he made some unbelievably astute signings. But what was what he was so clever with, with was the way that he. He pulled Chelsea out of um, mediocrity, Doherty, into um, an exciting, youthful, ball-playing, um, modern football team. Um, I suppose one possibly using the Busby Babes as a kind of inspiration because they were all youths, and uh, um, it, it was we were all buoyed up by this wonderful, wonderful. Um, the success and the exuberance of the side was just absolutely superb. Um, and they and the basis of this, he was slightly eccentric. He didn't uh, didn't get on with Terry Venables, who obviously was a then uh, was a, a subsequently a great manager, but was a terrific player. And he slightly destroyed the side. But Sexton then took over and took Chelsea to success in the FA Cup and the European Cup Winners' Cup. So he laid the foundation for. Uh, All the early 70s success, and also made Chelsea into a very trendy side. It was that that it was his input and his influence, and he was a um, uh, a bright Scot with always 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 something to say, a real personality, um, uh, and wasn't afraid to get players to put their put their foot in. It's why he had Ron Harris playing because he'd been very like that as a player for. Um, for Preston, and of course he'd also been influenced by Bill Shankly, the great Liverpool manager, because he'd played with him, and they were Scots as well. So there was a lot going for Doherty, who then subsequently proved himself as being um, a really competent manager by by managing other teams to success, and also um, being a great after dinner speaker and uh, and personality. Uh, and it was a shame that we couldn't have him for longer. I mean, really, he should have come back again. I think during the uh, during the seventies and done almost a Mourinho because he would have whipped them into some success, but they couldn't, I don't think they could afford him by then because they'd, they would bought, they'd built the stand and it all fallen apart. But as a, uh, for me, as a, the beginnings as a Chelsea fan, he was um, looking back. I mean, remarkable. You take these things for granted when you, you're, you're, you are you you do not realize what's happening in front of you. You know, I was eight, eight to, eight to 12, eight to 13 was when I was uh, um, he was he was the Chelsea manager, and uh, you you don't know any 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 better. You don't you just when when Chelsea when he sent because he, he had a terrible moment where there was a nightclub incident where several of the players um, broke curfew, and he he didn't play them. He played all the reserves, and they Cost lost us the title. They reckon he lost us the title completely. Oh, the pain that I had from mm. that. I can't, the 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 early on disappointment to know that he'd but I mind you I was experiencing a lot of pain because I I went to the um I went to the 66 semi final at uh, uh at seven at, at um um where was it where did they play it was it, it wasn't at hill semi final it, it was against Sheffield Wednesday was not it, it uh, villa, wasn't it villa park villa, villa villa yeah went to villa yeah and macallieog scored against us who'd been a really excellent up and coming youthful player and he sold him and uh, yeah, they beat us two 0 Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, the pain, bloody hell! What was I twelve? Oh God,
1: Dean. Um, um, just to butt in, sorry to butt in, JK. Yeah, no, but
2: but I've gone on too long. I'm so no, sorry. no no no,
1: that's all right. I, I could feel I could feel your momentum slightly waning, JK. But uh, and Dean, <laughs> uh, it, it's obviously this is way before you were born. But I mean, do you have any? knowledge at all about tommy dock and i mean i think the thing it's really interesting actually just revisiting it with jk and doing the article as i did i just thought it was so interesting that the that in a sense i think that doherty you know turned chelsea into the into a modern football club that's what he did the bringing in of the youth the playing of the, the kind of style of football that we played he was a real modernizer and in a sense he kind of created the chelsea that we know today in a sense
3: yeah, obviously, being too young to, to be around that time, you know, it's a testament to, to his legacy that, you know, people like JK can speak, you know, so lovingly about him. And that we know that. It is so, love,
2: Dean. You're right. It's love. I agree. It is.
3: Yeah. And the influence that he had on the club, you know, all those years ago still stands today. And, you know, that era from the 70s that went on to have that success, which was sort of unparalleled until Roman came shows you know the level that he that he has and uh, the club still I think sent him a hamper every year at Christmas they did um, and he loved it
1: and he and hated Man that, United you know. for not sending him one as well
3: yeah so that shows again you know the level of, of the man and you know my son's going to be five this year when he grows up I think he'll know Tommy Doherty and those players as well because that's part of the fabric of of Chelsea and the DNA of the club and when you become a supporter, you support, you know, not just the present day you support the history as well. And you know, that's one of the biggest
2: parts of our history is is that era under Dogerty. No, he just... made wonderful signings as well, Dean. Wonderful. Some great iconic Chelsea players. Eddie McCready bought him. Completely brilliant. There's Johnny John... Boyle. Um, yeah, Johnny Boyle, absolutely. But also and Charlie Cook, of course.
1: George Graham.
2: And George Graham, George Graham. And then were... sold him
1: for Tommy Baldwin. Oh, I couldn't
2: believe that. Oh, was upset me so much. Well, Another thing. You know, he... Tommy Baldwin. I love I know, a different player completely, but he was a great class. He
1: scammed Arsenal for him as well. Yes. Totally yes. scammed him. I think yes. actually what, what you'd said there, Dean, is a really good point because I think that ultimately is, is the Doc's legacy is that, you know, he brought through, I mean, over and above, uh, you know, modernising Chelsea, I think over and above, in a sense, creating that Kings of the Kings Road style that we had, that swagger that, that we. You know, you talk about the DNA. That's what people still kind of know us about today. That's what they associate with Chelsea. Kings Road-style glamour. Absolutely. The doc created that. But over and above that, talking about legacies, he brought to the club, or brought through from the youth, Peter Bonetti, Ron Harris, Terry Venables, Bobby Tambling, Johnny Hollins, uh, to name just five. Peter Osgood. Peter Peter Osgood, exactly. You know, players that, that... you know, I mean, Harris and Bonetti and Hollins amongst the highest appearance makers for Chelsea of all time. Uh, argue, arguably our great, one of our greatest goalkeepers. I mean, Czech, I think, probably edges, it, edges the cat out now, but I know a lot of people who would say different. Bobby Tambling, uh, our top goal scorer until a certain Frank Lampard beat him to it. Um, Chopper, our highest appearance maker of all time. They went on and won... I mean, Eddie McCready went on and managed the club, one of the best left-backs we've had. Um, They won the FA Cup after he'd gone. They won the European Cup Winners' Cup after he'd gone. So his legacy, I think, is huge. But just to kind of of bring it all together and and, and summarise really what we're saying. I mean, J.K.'s right. I mean, the other thing that, that the doc did, he turned a hilariously failing club. I mean, we never won anything. We won the the title in 55 but we kind of won that with the lowest points tally ever um the 60 61 youth side both won you know won the youth cup and he brought them through as i said but what the doc did is he got us challenging for honours regularly i mean we we only won the league cup under his managerialship we lost the 67 cup final to spurs which everybody hates still but we were in two semi-finals before that in the fa cup we uh we won the league cup as you, as you know in 65 in fact we could have won the treble that year we were definitely in contention to win the league three or three or four years we he got us in playing european football we had that fantastic season in 65 or 6 i think where we played roma ac milan and lost in the semi-final of the InterCity's Fairs cup to barcelona he put us on the map i think in that context and as i said then what happened after that was that his real legacy was what happened after that with that team that he created, but he wasn't really able to see through. So I think I think uh, Tommy Doherty's a, a hugely important manager and character in Chelsea's history. And, and I, for one, will lament his passing. I was lucky enough to to meet him at the uh, book launch of T- Tim's wonderful book, Diamonds, Dohertys and Devils. Um, in the Duke of Edinburgh pub in Asker, where Tommy Doherty literally held court, he was he was ninety years old at the time, I think, but he 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 was just absolutely hilarious. He he was well known as a raconteur and a very funny, very witty, very acerbic, waspish man. Brilliant sense of humour, with some great anecdotes. My favourite of all, obviously, being the one where he used to say to Chopper, "Get your late tackles in early." You know, but he was full of that. He was like a, a bit like a Mourinho and a Brian Clough in, of his day, I think, in, in that respect. Very funny man. Um, and he was brilliant that night. Uh, had time for everybody. Uh, Burt Murray, Barry Bridges and Ron Harris were there with him. And the love they had for him and the, and the love he had for them shone through. And uh, Tim, who interviewed him for the book, said that this is a man who clearly, he really loved Chelsea to this day, had a real affection for us and the club. And I think... It's safe to say um it was it was very much mutual. And as I said, I think he was a real prototype of a very modern manager, the likes that we, we see at the personality manager that we see a lot of now. So uh, I think all of us would say a huge and hearty rest in peace, Dommy Tommy Doherty. You were much loved.
2: Much loved. Yeah.
1: yeah. Special for you, JK, because you among you alone amongst us were there and watching it all happening.
4: Yes.
2: But as I say, it's difficult to uh, to give credit at the time. You're just enjoying them, and you just see them, and you you want it to uh, continue because the football was so good, as you say, very very modern. He played um, overlapping fullbacks in a period where they were still dealing with fullbacks who just booted the ball down the pitch. Mind you, that still happens with some some Premier League clubs and run after it. But um, uh, it was a, a permanent tactic. Um, but he was. It was all based on fluidity and speed, and that was uh, so novel. That's why they did so well coming up from the second division. It was, it was joyous.
1: It was, it was indeed. a joyous
2: time to be a Chelsea fan.
1: And if you want another parallel, he took the club on after they'd sold their best player, uh,
2: Jimmy Greaves. Yes, absolutely. I was about. I was thinking of, of Tony Hatley. Oh no, that was later. on. Yeah.
1: Derek Kevin. Mm. No, Look, no, it oh, was it was uh, Jimmy Greaves, of course. So parallels. There is nothing new in football. History repeats itself ad infinitum. Now, uh, very quickly, a quick plug before we go to a break for the Chelsea pitch owners. If you want to own a piece of Chelsea, then you need to get yourself a CPO share. Uh, Owning a share means you've got a share of the freehold of the stadium and it protects it from being sold to a rapacious property developer in the future. uh, Should Roman, for example, decide not to? be the owner of Chelsea anymore but anyway the bottom line is it makes sure and it ensures that Chelsea will remain playing at Stamford Bridge its spiritual home forever so it's a very important little thing to have uh, you can get all sorts of varieties the cheapest share is priced at £31 uh, and then you pay a little bit more all the way up to 210 if you want to a- you know have the pit uh the the share presented to you on the pitch although they can't do that at the moment you pay 210 quid but uh, price points in between 31 quid and 210 will either get you a signed share or a framed share or a framed signed share my share has got frank lampard's signature on it so the previous one and a half hours will now become very clear to you where i stand
2: i've lost my share
1: oh for god's sake seriously yeah, I
2: don't know where it is. I still get the letter from them telling me that I'm a member.
1: Mine's framed up there. You can't see it, but it's it's up there. You can see where I'm pointing? It's up yes, there. Yeah,
2: you're pointing to to your curtain.
1: No, 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 up there. See up the bookcase? There.
4: there. Yeah, bookcase.
1: There. Yeah. Anyway. So there you yeah. go. With Frank Lampard's signature on it. If you want to get one, do it. And do it now. Uh so uh all you have to do, really, simplest thing, is just go to the Chelsea's, Chelsea's official website and search for Chelsea Pitch Owners. It will take you to the right page. And there you go. Now, after the break, we've got loads of emails. So we'll try and rattle through them as quickly as we can. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the
0: Chelsea!
1: Football Fancast. Right, welcome back. Stanford Chidge here, and the Chelsea Fancast in full swing with Mr. Jonathan Kidd. yup. Yep, 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 yep. And the ever so patient and tolerant and wise Dean Mears. Good evening, good evening. He's still with us, he's doing very well. Right, there are some real. There's a few really long ones, but they've come out in the usual kind of haphazard uh, way that they normally do. But the first one, JK, is from our mate Tim McConnell. Tim McConnell.
2: Hello, Chidge. Hope you've enjoyed the holidays. Had some... Hi, Chidge. Hope you've enjoyed the holidays. Had some Guinness to ring in the new year. Of course he
4: has.
2: I'm not sure if this is something you all do. No, I don't. I don't. Use Guinness to be, oh no, sorry. But though, I, though I'd ask, thought I'd ask, not though I'd ask, Ginger, you've put though I'd ask up here, but though I'd ask, thought I'd ask. It was my mum's birthday yesterday. I was wondering if you'd be able to give her a quick shout out on the fan cast. I'm sure she'd get a kick out of it. What's her name, Tim?
1: Claire, mate.
2: Oh, oh Claire McConnell. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> oh, mug is written on my forehead. Sorry, sorry, Tim. Sorry. <laughs> Claire. Yeah, Claire. We love you, Claire. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, great. Yeah. Happy birthday for yesterday. What a shame. We, we didn't know it was otherwise. We oh, I think
1: I think Tim sent me this a couple of days ago. So her birthday, I think, was last oh, month. two days. Might ago. have been on Friday. I, I forget now. But uh,
2: maybe we couldn't have done it on Friday because we didn't. We could have done it on Friday if we'd done a show, but we didn't. Do maybe one.
1: it was New Year's Eve. Maybe you sent it on Friday, so maybe oh, yesterday God, was New Zealand.
2: Maybe it was what a year ago. No,
1: no, no. Well, it would have been a year ago. It would have been, yeah, yeah, clever, clever, clever. But uh, no, yeah. quite, quite right. Happy, 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 happy birthday, happy birthday, Claire.
2: Yes, Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Tim.
1: I Sorry, Claire. Making
2: the connection. I do apologise. Yeah. So yeah. there we go. Are you in Canada as
1: well, Tim? Yeah, are yeah, you? Yes, He is. He is. I'll, I'll speak. Of... I'll speak for Tim. I'll be Tim. Will so you? Can, okay. So you can say, "Hey, continue.
2: Tim, are you in Canada?" Yeah. Hey wow i am i'm in canadia yay Canada. Hey. Canada. yeah hey can so you I mean... introduce me to an elk uh yay
1: <laughs> uh tim lovely to hear from you hope you're all well uh we we have huge love and affection for the mcconnell family but especially your mum who's very generous with her time as you, she might well be in uh, mixler now although my technical break might have uh hastened a lot of people's departure tonight but uh, claire i'm sure you'll catch up on the podcast we love you lots have a hope you had a great birthday. Right, now, this is a cracking email from the lovely Sophie Spittle, And she says, Dear Chidge and the team, I've been listening to the podcast for a couple of years now, and this year it's been great company for me on my daily walks, often making me laugh out loud and talk to myself, as well as getting cross with some of Jonathan's comments. Sorry, JK.
4: No need to apologise,
1: Sophie. There's no way you could get half as cross as I do with him. Uh, Anyway, I've been thinking... You should see his face occasionally when I'm off on one. He's just behind the microphone, shaking
2: his head and
1: going... So true. So true. (laughs) Well called out, mate. Uh, Anyway, I've been thinking about emailing for much of 2020 to say thank you for the fabulous 50 years of Chelsea Chelsea and the My Chelsea series, which... As a Chelsea fan, since the mid-80s brought back lots of memories and gave me insight into the club in the 70s, which was incredibly interesting. However, it was the latest podcast and conversation you, Mark and Tony had about perspective that has finally given me courage to email in. I'm not mentioned there, you notice. Know, to... Well, because you didn't have any old bean. Uh, these no. comments really resonated with me, and I just wanted to say thank you for that. I would also like uh, like to agree that the Arsenal game was nowhere near the worst game ever for Chelsea. As you said, there've been numerous other ones in the last couple of years alone. Exactly. Uh, if I may just add a couple of other comments, I would like to say well done and thank you for the support of the Women's Team podcast. Went to Mo King's Meadow. I watch the women's team when I can and love that I can now listen to a great podcast on the fantastic team we have rather than just women's football in general. What do you think of that, Dean?
3: Yeah, very good um, that people are enjoying it. You know, I wanted to listen to something about the the team and no one was really doing it. And it's good to be one of the first to be out there regularly doing content on the team because they're they're amazing to watch if you don't watch them. They're really good to watch.
1: Excellent. Well, well done, Dean. We love him for doing that. Uh, And he's very kindly allowed us to publish it on our platform. So it all works for everybody. Now, you don't need to read this out. Uh, Okay. I don't think it's controversial, so I'm going to read this out, Sophie, if you don't mind. It's more about uh, an interest for Jonathan especially. On another podcast, Game Changers, there's an interview with Sean Massey-Ellis about being an assistant referee. In the middle of the podcast, there's an interesting section on how the PGMOL operates, the requirements and the day-to-day work they do in order to referee run the line in games i find jonathan's rants on refs interesting and whilst not always agreeing with him they certainly give a different perspective this interview gave yet another perspective thanks again for all your hard work whilst i don't always agree with the team's comments opinions i enjoy listening to them and arguing agreeing with you in my head and sometimes out loud come on the blues sophie spittle what a lovely, lovely email! And the only thing I can say, Sophie, is why has it taken you so long to write in? If you know, fantastic email! And
2: also, it's a kind of tempting, isn't it? Because she's sort of, she's just, she's like saying, you know, this show about this podcast about Sean Massey Ellis. Mm. I'd, I'd, I'd like to know. I'd like to know where it is. I'd like to hear it.
1: Game changer, mate.
2: Yeah, I'd check like it, it out. To... No, yeah, I must. I must. Well, it, yeah. it's on the. I still don't. You know, having been a ref myself, I don't really see how. Um, Difficult it is to uh, set yourself up for running the running the line, but um, um, uh, I'd be intrigued to hear it.
1: Um,
2: I'd like to know which bit she doesn't always agree
1: with. Well, this is the point, though. I mean, you know, we don't agree with each other. Well, we do a lot of the time, but we don't always agree with each other. I am completely right about refs. Well, no, I have no argument there. I'd I'd be far stronger than you are, but you know, that's the point. You know. I think this is actually a really salutary lesson. Dean's mentioned this on Twitter a lot recently. By the way, if you're not following Dean on Twitter, then you need to give yourself a massive head wobble because Dean's very active, very funny. Actually, he's got a very dry sense of humour, but he's usually spot on the mark on a lot of things. And I think this has been coming through. You know, I would hate it if everybody that we on the on the fan cast sat here and. Just go, oh yeah, I agree with that, oh yeah, I mean, it would just be boring we're we're mates who love football who are passionate about it, and we can thoroughly disagree with each other. sometimes we could be downright horrible to each other, but we love each other that's, and we can you know we we can finish the end of the show and every, everything's fine no no grudges are harbored, no bad feelings linger. We're all adults as well, and I think that's how it should be. Why can't twitter be like that j k um
2: Probably because uh, we hardly speak to anybody on Twitter. Well,
1: we don't. What do you reckon, Dean?
3: It's because they faceless most of the time, isn't yeah. it? For the idiots, they can hide behind a picture of whatever footballer they choose and say the rubbish they want to say. If you was in the pub and you said that to someone's face, then you, know, you might be...
1: Get ironed out, mate. Yeah. But I think we can disagree and still get on all right. I mean, that, for me, that's perfectly normal and natural. Uh, Anyway, well done, Claire. Brilliant email. We've got got a nice one from Matt DeFronzo, JK.
2: Matt DeFronzo. Dear Chidge, JK, and esteemed guests, well, it's Dean. I'm writing this shortly after losing to City. The performance and result against City, leaving with so much to say, but I had to down about three pints, so forgive me if I jump around. As Chidge said on the show last Tuesday, Chelsea have in fact ruined Christmas and New Year's. I'm not interested in singling out any player or players or manager or board members of, or staff, etc. I'll explain why shortly. There's no denying this is a dark moment for the club. Ah. Didn't go for that, that far. One point from matches against Everton. That's true. Arsenal, Villa and City is dreadful. The club spent all this money. We haven't beaten a side in the top 10. Aside from West Ham. It doesn't help that Arsenal and United have had good runs of form. So people will actually ask, why isn't Frank Lampard getting the most out of Chelsea when Chelsea spent 200 million? Well, I have no fucking clue, but I have faith that Frank does. I will not stand any talk of Lampard out. Anyone who thinks it can fuck right <laughs> off. Yeah. Ah, haw, yeehaw, man. Yeehaw!
1: Yeehaw!
2: Hey, you talking that six-gun boy. Frank is a young manager. The players are mostly early works in progress. Chelsea are developing a new identity right now. There are so many crazy factors affecting the club: Covid, no fans, new players that don't speak the language, a mixture of young players and senior, aging ones. The list goes on. I'm as frustrated as anyone with the results, but Lampard isn't to blame, nor is Timo. Nor habits this is going to take time. we've invested in the future. investments take time to pay off. We must be patient with Frank and the players, and hopefully Roman will have that patience too. The night is always darkest before the dawn up the chels Matthew. The trouble is if the dawn is a Roman dawn, then I'm afraid
1: Frank will be wandering into the sunset
2: with his yeha.
1: I think, really, we're talking about a Roman candle here—something that explodes in vibrant heat and light, and then fizzles out very quickly and has to be relit. Yeah.
2: It appeals while it's alight, but yes. afterwards, it's Indeed. just a, a soggy, a soggy rained upon
1: squid. It is, uh, Dean. Very sensible email by Matt. I think. Yeah, I think the
3: point about you know, the darkest days is something that sort of J.K. was alluding to earlier. You know, with this lockdown, you know. Football is for many, you know, the highlight of, of the week and we uh, the this festival. is the
1: highlight of my week.
3: Well for us, yeah. And everyone <laughs> listens. Not for anybody <laughs> else,
1: that's for sure. <laughs> Sorry, go on, dude. <laughs>
3: yeah, for for those people that sort of over Christmas looking forward to the games and then, you know, we put in performances like we did against Arsenal and Manchester City, you know, as JK said, the lows can be ultra low because you don't have the release of, of the day. Yeah. You know, something you always speak about that football ruins a good day out and there's no good day out at the moment so it's just ruined oh,
1: Dean the voice of reason we should get him on the show more often JK he's far more sensible than you are. I think I. we should just, just get him to talk I to think actually because like, I, th- I am going to leave it to Dean one day he knows this
2: yeah I agree completely well didn't you say the other day if you were going to retire I was only he, I was
1: he, me, I was fucking with you guys I know I know
2: but you said you'd leave it up to me and Dean and I said I, I sent back to you no no just leave it up to Dean I'll be with
4: you <laughs>
1: You'll have. I will still be doing this fucking show from my coffin, mate. Don't you worry about that. Uh, as long as the audio do you works. If you don't watch
2: the games, though. What if you do that?
1: If well, you don't watch. The, 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 the thing is, JK, I'm usually shit faced when I go to the game. So uh, this, you, the, you, People out there may have noticed this, but the quality of analysis may well have gone up since I've not been allowed <laughs> to actually go into the ground because I actually remember what I've seen on the TV and I can make notes and I'm not shit faced. So there we go. I don't know if you've noticed this, Pete. Maybe people have. Maybe they, maybe they hate it because of that. I don't know.
2: That's why they've said it, it, it's it's getting better and better. I think, <laughs> I think that could be the
1: reason. <laughs> I don't know, mate. Anyway, I'd rather we were all back there getting pissed. But there you go. Right. Talking of going back there and getting pissed. Now, this is talk about serendipity. This is an email from Brian Wolfe. He of Chelsea, Chicago, and the man that created the Kerry Dixon banner. Well, him and... Him and uh, um walker i think but anyway brian was very good at getting that organized and as it happens jk the last premier league match i went to was when we beat spurs and i ended up in a pub with brian Wolfe, who kept on buying me pints of guinness to try and make me miss as many trains as he could and he was very successful i missed a lot of them But I did get home. Anyway, Brian writes, uh, Hello, my friends. It's been too long and I miss you all tremendously. Hopefully, sooner rather than later, we'll all be together at the Cock or the Atlas for several pints. Uh, I'm writing this email straight after the Man City defeat, a match that, like many since the start of Covid, has me feeling neither happy nor glum, but simply leaves a feeling of numb existence. In the spirit of brevity, I will get straight to the point. I back Frank Lampard as our manager, and I will do so until the day he isn't, hopefully never. The past year has been catastrophically destructive to humanity's confidence and psyche. VAR ruins all joy by chalking off goals for millimetre infractions. There's no supporters at home. No away days with multi-hour train delays. It's hardly even football anymore. And having Frank Lampard back at the club leading us into a new era is the single most exciting thing we have going at the moment, and it's something we will we all deserve. Yes, one can absolutely separate Frank Lampard the player from Frank Lampard the manager, and it's necessary for Roman and the board to do so in the future when de- deciding in which direction the club has to go. But I don't have to make that distinction. I'm a football supporter. The game is about emotion. This podcast is about emotion. I don't want to separate them because I want to enjoy having him back and leading us and not a damn thing is going to change my mind. The idea of Frank Lampard building long-term success at Chelsea is special. Not some Thomas Nagelsmann Pochettino man coming in to rescue a few more points only to get sacked again in eight months. For the loads of Twitter abusers, Goldberg freaks and FIFA Ultimate team weirdos, I and a bunch of others don't give a single shit about your insane diatribes on false nines, low blocks and expected goals. As you put it, Chidge, it's all a load of ass gravy. Frank Lamp... Oh, by the way, Brian and I are concocting uh, a, a new banner. He's going to make a, a new banner for us. Chelsea fancast, it's a load of ass gravy. That's going to be the new banner.
2: Will there be a, a, a
1: graphic? I hope so, and I hope it is graphic. Anyway, where were where we? Yes, yes, Frank Lampard, the manager, could lose our next five matches. It won't change my mind. I'd like to think this shows <coughs> – excuse me, hang on. <coughs> a bit of Bob Fleming there. Uh, it won't change my mind. I'd like to think this shows a level of maturity and intelligence, but I'm sure that's an odd stat somewhere, like managerial winning percentages, to show me I'm wrong. I still don't care. Frank Lampard is not Sarri, he's not Scolari or AVB, and he's certainly not Benitez. The comparisons are baseless. I refuse to accept being labelled a hypocrite because I dislike those managers but love Frank Lampard. But I don't care about qualifying for Europe next season. Will we even be able to go? I'm not embarrassed if we finish seventh. I do care that I feel passionate and good about this football club and for the first time in a long while, I do with Frank at the helm. I'm sure by this point in the show, this topic may have been discussed three times already and in that case, hopefully I provided an ample platform for Jonathan to at least do some clever voices. Love you all. Be well, Brian Wolfe. Well, I'm very sorry, Brian. It was me who read it out, not Jonathan. But Jonathan. And also,
2: I, I none of my voices are clever. So,
1: oh, you do yourself down, mate. No, they not
2: clever.
1: They're just. Yeah. I, I think. I think, Dean. You know, I mean, I love Brian to pieces, and he, and he well knows it. He's a, he's a. I mean, he is the epitome of what I would call a great uh, drinking buddy at Chelsea matches. And and like you were saying, you know, it's, it's, there's more to the game. Than just ninety minutes of football and and I love him for it and i and i and I just wonder in a sense how many people are out there are like that anymore
3: I think they're out there I don't think they're on social media which is the problem I think you see a lot of the people that don't have that connection in a way to football that you know the people that we know do because we go into the ground and, and know those people you know what we spoke about. Tommy Doherty like in part three for so long and that connection that he has with supporters of you know growing up because of the players he brought through, that's something that Frank could be doing right now in his present moment, we just don't know it yet. And in, in 50, 60 years we could be talking about Frank Lampard in the same way that we do, you know, Tommy Doherty. You know, having that faith. Supporters will have it, you know, it's obviously the ones that make decisions that will that don't, unfortunately
1: you know what, something has occurred to me that's very interesting, something I deal a lot with actually in the work that I do, but getting people to understand that any notion that we have control over anything but how we feel and how we behave is a complete and utter delusion. And and as soon as you lot, I mean, everybody really lets go of the idea that you can control control stuff, the happier you will be. And I think, in a sense, that's that's the divide we're talking about here. Accept that you have no control about what happens on the pitch. Accept that you'd have no control about what happens with the players. Accept that you have no control over the referee. Accept that you have no control over what the manager does, whether he's an idiot or not. Accept that you have no control over what the idiot board do. Let it go and just enjoy the ride. That's one way of looking at it. Or, and I think, I know it's a bit perhaps hypocritical to say this because we, we have a podcast every week, you know, talking in granular detail about what could be done and what has, but actually, I think a lot of people do delude themselves with thinking that they have control, which is why they talk about it in the terms that they do. Jk.
2: It would make for a bad podcast, though, wouldn't it? If we just I don't
1: agree. It. I think we 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 would just have fun and talk shit anyway. I mean, that's kind of not what about we do. football. Yeah, we we would do. We would do. I mean, I know what you. I know what you're saying, but just I mean, except that referees are all a cabal of self-serving. Well, I I, I I think this is actually underlying the the, the, you know that that's the hub of the 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 ying and the yang of what you and i do you know i i i do believe that i the only thing i can control is me and and my behavior i can't impact or affect anything that goes on other than that and i think and I, i don't mean this it might sound like it's a criticism i don't mean it like that at all we're all different but i think you you do you want you want things to be perfect i know we've had this discussion many a time and that's how you get your Satisfaction because you, I think, you, I think, in a weird sense, you're a dreamer and I'm not actually. I think that's what it boils down to because you Uh, cling on to that moment of perfection. Yes, I I accept that it won't happen. (laughs) That's the difference between (laughs) us.
2: Well, no, but I can see all the uh, reasons, I can see the answers as to why referees should be better. I can see the ways of doing it. That's also through having done it myself and meeting the same kind of people involved. I can see the, uh, I can see how. They make mistakes and um uh, uh i'm I accept the fact that i won't be able to make much of a difference because i think the second that you um attempted to do that you'd be considered a troublemaker and you'd also you'd be you don't you wouldn't be making be able to chip away at the edifice they've created so you've got no control over that but it doesn't prevent you from being able to assess it's a nice thing to be able to to, to try and work out what you feel is going wrong in a situation i think that's what we do as well on the podcast we try and work out why the team isn't winning. What are the things, how we would apply, uh, uh, in a sense, where perhaps we're being mini-managers. Oh, we all and, are, aren't
1: we? Isn't that yeah. the fun of um, it, though? Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's the fun of that's
2: it. The, that's the point, isn't it? It's how, how we would like to do it. You know? It's very difficult to become um, accepting in situations where you think, well, you know, he, he didn't run into the channel sufficiently. He didn't make an effort there. If he'd run more, he'd have got to the ball. And there'd have been a goal. You know, we're aware of that. We can see that um we're just not capable of of doing it anymore or or perhaps we're never ever capable it doesn't stop us from from being able to observe though does but it? i think i think job.
1: you know actually the weird thing is it, although brian brian likes to kind of separate one from the other and in fact i think that's the one thing that that binds us all together no matter which side of that fence or perspective that we come on from it it's a it is all about passion i mean you know brian and myself are and Dean, a passionate and 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 I mean, I I don't include you in it, J.K., because you, you you're not you know a big drinker in the pubs and things. But we, we derive our passion for it from that in a way. But that's no different from the passion that even a lot of the people on on Twitter trying to opine about how much they know about football and the rest of it. That comes from a passionate place too. And I think there's a place for both, actually.
2: Yeah, I I, I don't think the the. Uh the inspiration needn't be
1: but we're all passionate about football yeah, and absolutely. chelsea we're and it absolutely it really
2: is that simple isn't it but it, it it but it's um it's not just passion it's a it, it's it's a desire to to put it to rights to an extent oh, yeah.
1: you know what one of my favourite bosses and he was a brilliant boss he had the most piercing blue eyes you've ever seen and a scar all the way down his cheek Ooh. And he, he was from australia and he used to say "chidge." i said yes Yes, Swifty. He said, "Chidge, you're the best post-rational- post-rationalizer I've ever fucking met." Because I could post-rationalize myself out of anything. Anyway, uh, I kangaroos co- scar his face? I didn't ask. Was it a koala? I didn't ask. mate. I didn't dare. He was brilliant, boss. He was the he was the first boss that he ever said to. He turned around to me once. He said, "Chidge." I said, "Yes, Swifty." Television is fucked, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he was right. Anyway, J.K. Jake Aldridge.
2: Jake Aldridge, hi guys, just finished watching the City game and although City were brilliant, I thought we were really bad again, particularly in the first half, I'm very concerned. After the third goal, I found myself scrolling through Twitter looking for a rant from JK that might make me feel better. Where was he when I needed him? What's bothered me the most during the last few games is the distinct lack of clear-cut chances being created. Actually, I'm a bit worried, Jake, because I haven't ranted much during this, actually, I've just tried to be um, philosophical. Um, um, but never mind uh, we seem to go for enormous periods without even working the opposition's goalkeeper and well, actually that was my point as well wasn't it was the ridiculousness of they've got this bloke what's his name Streeter who's, and it's his debut and did we shoot? Did we put him under pressure? No so what was that all about? What happened there anyway? Our go-to thing seems to be to get the ball wide shove crosses into the box Yeah, I see very little build-up play or penetration coming from any other areas our goals, or lack of them, at the moment, are solely coming from crosses into the box or from corners. I actually think the problem is bigger than we realise. It doesn't seem to matter which midfield or attacking players we go with, as if J.K. would, as if as J.K. would say, it's just not working for me, Chidge. Actually, can I say it again? Yeah, it's just not working for me, Chidge. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I'm losing in the. Uh, I'm losing faith in the 4-3-3. It's just not working for me. I'm losing faith in the four three three and wonder if we'd be better off trying out a four four two. Yes, very possibly. Or a, what did we say? Three four um three four two one, we suggested, didn't we? That's
1: the Ted Rogers no, no, formation. Three four,
2: three four one two, in fact. Anyway, I find it painful watching our midfield receive the ball with their backs to goal. Therefore, I have to pass the ball backwards every time. Yes, fucking hell, that pisses me off. Anyway, there seems to be a gulf of space between our midfield and the attackers. Potentially, we've got three worthy strikers. How would you guys feel about us potentially playing two of them up top at the same time with four in the midfield? Best regards, a very unhappy Jake. Yeah, but I think that's what we we were talking about earlier about that, possibly having one play off the other with Werner. Um, uh, so I have Werner. Uh, it seemed to work with Werner and Abraham, and perhaps it would work with Werner and Giroud. I, uh, when has he played that? He's done that a couple of times. Do you remember Dean when he's played that Werner and Werner and Giroud? Has he done that? He he brought them on. He brought him on, didn't? he? That's right. That's right. Yes, you did. that. I, I don't times.
1: think Giroud and Werner worked oddly. Work they, they, well. they look as though they should because Giroud holds the ball up, plays with his back towards goal. Yeah. you know, place people in, you would have thought that it would work. Maybe maybe it will in time, I don't know, but it, I don't think it really has so far but maybe that's down to the fact that Tammy's uh, that uh, verner has been in, in poor form you know, these things take time to work through, but uh, I feel your pain, Jake, I hope you're feeling alright, mate I uh, hope we've managed to cheer you up somehow uh, only if we're a bit more daft than you are, anyway um, this is a, well, strap in people, that's all I'm saying right, this is from Shaz <clears throat> it's a long one I hope I've got the voice left for it, actually. But uh...
2: well, if you if you start tailing off, Chidge, um I'll do me uh, best. I'll leave you to it. I'll do me best. I'll do me best, mate. All right. So I read it all like that. Yeah, actually, you could actually. I think yeah. I might actually. I tell you what, you could do is you could make him a pirate. All right.
1: Arr. 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 Give it more. Arr. 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 Uh, hi all. Hope you're all doing fantastic. Happy <laughs> 2021. Unfortunately, this email is not at all continuing the happy trend
2: could you do it in a different
1: voice do you think what would you like
2: uh, your own
1: i have forgotten what my own is like
2: oh yes of course me too.
1: you're bored with it already aren't you and uh, anyway i've listened to this oh, pod- i was worried about it going on all the way through it, it wasn't it's a very long, it's long email it might yeah, do you nothing uh, anyway i've listened to this podcast i have listened to this podcast for the last That's two years up. and have thoroughly enjoyed it so before i lose my mind i'd like to congratulate everyone in it's gone a bit h uh hmq I'm isn't like the it queen, the queen. Yeah. i'd like to congratulate everyone involved on producing such authentic content every week and i think that required a proper because it's a lovely sentiment and you've been taking the piss wait till you've heard the rest of it as a 28 year old i feel like i may be one of the younger listeners to this pod but i may be wrong i think you are actually shaz we've got quite a you'd be surprised how many youngins we uh strangely attract to this show uh, I've been raised as a Chelsea fanatic and have a family who live and breathe Chelsea. They're all season ticket holders and my mum has been a matchday staff worker for the club for 15 years. I also stewarded at, stewarded at the home dugout for six years before the second Antonio Conte season. Completely took the fun out of sitting on my arse and watching my beloved Chelsea play such boring football. This leads me on to our present crisis. Yes, Crisis. Lampard is completely out of his depth and I can't stand watching him either sit on the bench with his legs crossed looking completely clueless or when he stands still arms folded rolling his eyes looking like a total idiot. Frankly he has no clue what he is doing. It doesn't help when you have a sidekick like Jody an absolute clown off the pitch um, but on the pitch he has no input no idea of how to help Frank. Uh, It took him long if you look at him long enough he looks like he's on a school trip to be honest. Chelsea looks like to be the only school open during the lockdown. Not anymore, from what Boris tells us tonight. Thanks to TV angles and inside info, I get some very interesting insight as to how Aston Villa operate the touchline. Terry stands all game near the press box with a radio attached to his ear, constantly communicating to the bench. How do you know he's not listening to talk sport? Anyway, with the elevated view or or uh, BBC Radio 6, or even I could see J- JT being a Radio 4 listener. JK, what do you think? Bit of woman's yes, hour during the match.
2: Yes, absolutely. Or even Radio Three is listening to a few symphonies.
1: Bit of classic, classic FM, even you yep, know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, we digress. Uh, with the elevated view he has of how the game is progressing, that's called active management and a and a strategy as to how a less wealthy club tries to one up the opposition. It's another farce that Frank, with all his qualifications, experience, and know-how as a player, doesn't understand how to communicate or organise a coaching team. I think it was mentioned last week, but there is not one player or person in the world who doesn't look to the manager at bench for some input during the game. He has no clue, and I'm sick of watching his smug face just stand there like a total prat. He then manages to do multiple post-match press conferences, blaming the players for not doing this and that, when he does absolutely nothing different himself. What a hypocrite. How he has the nerve to say such stupid remarks is beyond me. Is he actually that arrogant and blinded by his own status? I completely disagree with the overall view of the Arsenal result last week. It was the worst result for decade. Sorry, Shaz, that is errant fucking horse shit. Uh, you simply cannot compare losing to Bournemouth 4-0 without context on that game or season.
4: Uh,
1: well, I'm not even going to respond to that. On paper, some of our past results have looked terrible, but the context of that Arsenal game is needed. This was the worst Arsenal team in over a century. Uh, no... Uh, I remember in the 70s when they damn near got relegated. They were awful. Terry O'Neill's side? Terry neil's side, JK? Uh, not good. When they had Peter Marinello, the pawn magnet. Was that yeah. story? Story. I never remember. Um, their story was the uh, the clogger. They were rubbish in the 70s, and they were also rubbish in the 60s, funnily enough, in the Doherty era that we're talking about. I think they had a, an attendance of about 4,000 people in Ibury. They were so shit. Yeah they,
2: weren't, yeah, they weren't
1: they weren't they, Yes, to say it was the same. They were very good in the thirties though. They were, weren't they? Anyway, so that's not true, Shaz. Sorry, mate. Uh I think the point the point i we made last week was that actually dropping William or not not being able to pick William Louise and, and Gabriel actually did them a favour because they had some youngsters who who love Arsenal, tried their bollocks off, took the instruction and played damn well. Uh, We were shit, I accept that, but I don't think it was the worst performance in years and I don't think that's the worst Arsenal side in over a century. Arteta has just beaten you in a final. Arsenal have had the upper hand on us apart from the Europa League final, managed by the same Sarri side that got spanked by Man City 6-0. And oh, they hadn't won a match since the beginning of November. You may very well not agree, but the performance, let alone result, was a sackable offence for any other manager we've had recently and Frank warrants no special treatment. Yeah, but Sarri wasn't sacked when we lost 6-0 to City or 4-0 for Bournemouth. So why should Frank be sacked for losing 3-1 to Arsenal? It just doesn't make sense. Um,
2: He should eat his own words. He should
1: eat his own words. Thank you. I will play people based on performances. In that case, he's finished as a Chelsea manager. I backed him all last season. Well, that's so magnanimous of you, Shaz, even when we had some truly questionable results and performances. In the end, we honestly limped over the Champions League places. But we did. I gave him... That was my words, not Shaz's. I say for emphasis. I gave him the global situation and the lack of the transfer window, the benefit of the doubt. However, you simply can't spend 200 million on a mix of top-level prospects and experience, and then proceed to capitulate the way we have on and off the pitch. Just look at Frank's win percentage as Chelsea manager. The stats, nor the eyes, lie. I test lie. Uh, I've just stopped writing as Frank came on for his post-match Man City interview. What an absolute load of rubbish! Frank is very good at waffling perfect English through his interviews, quite possibly because he's English, Uh, but reading between the lines, he is deluded beyond stupidity. He comes out answering one question for five minutes, a sign of, note to self, don't staple the script together next week, (laughs) pressure, and if actually deciphered, he told everyone nothing that we already didn't know. It just sounded articulate, so the press and clueless fans think he knows what he's on about. And, of course, no accountability again. I give up with people who want to trust the process. Sorry, that's most of you on this pod, but he has to go. We're getting worse, and if you can't see it, you're blinded by youth propaganda. Youth propaganda. What does that does that mean? Oh, because the youngsters are playing, yeah? Maybe? I don't know. Do explain, Shaz, in your next diatribe. Like him? Hmm? Youngsters like him on Twitter? I don't know. I don't think they do. They all want him out. Don't get me started on this Mount Frank affair. Christine should launch an investigation. How is this kid playing every bloody minute every match is beyond me? There's absolutely no defence for this because he's continuously declining every match. He may have talent, but with Lampard, he will never reach the elite level. Look at Foden. That is what you call progression and management. I think Foden's five years trying to get in and out of the city side, hasn't he? Because Pep only plays him occasionally. That the way to manage youngsters? <sighs> that is what you call progression and management. Not blinding not not blinding a player with unlimited trust. Fuller's earned every minute he's played. The same can't be said for Mount. Yes, he's played because of his flexibility, but that's not how you become world-class. You need to specialise in one thing, not be a jack-of-all-trades. Enough of Lampard regarding the players... I think I relate much more with Jonathan and his brilliant rants. Well, sorry, Shaz, I should have given it to him to read, shouldn't I? Enough is enough with this team constantly playing poorly. Yes, the set-up and approach of crossing and just wishing for a goal is down to Frank, but some of these guys are a disgrace. Werner offers absolutely nothing apart from shooting, and even that is still shocking me every match. Kovac is a total yo-yo player, and it's obvious now why he never played for an elite team in a Champions League final. When he is good, he's great, but oh my, when he's bad, he's absolutely catastrophic. He has no through ball, constantly presses out of position and leaves gaping holes. Then tries to do the riskiest dribble in the worst position, no football IQ. Kante is starting to show his decline and as much as it's sad to see, the reality is that he's really struggling and doing awful things offensively and defensively on the pitch. I think the team suffers from a collective lack of football IQ and know-how. This isn't a school to learn those traits and attributes. This is Chelsea Football Club. Just because Frank has said we need time to gel doesn't mean we drop our standards into a black hole and simply start accepting these constant failures as the new normal. I have a lot more to say going forward oh i can't wait but for now that is enough and i may come across harsh but all i want is is us to actually exceed or even succeed if only your english was as good as frank's management every week with a clear direction style of football and execution of philosophy right now all of that is lacking And it starts and ends with the manager. If by the time the show airs, we haven't sacked Frank, it's time he walks to maintain his dignity and playing legacy. I don't want to start hashtag Lampard after six months as I'm having flashback to Wenger's arrogance and love for the youth, which drove the club into a huge hole that they are still climbing out of. Sounds like you're an Arsenal fan, Shaz, weirdly. Either he reconsiders management if he can't change just Gary, if he can't change just like Gary Neville and goes back to punditry, or he has a break and goes to understand how to build a coaching team capable of progressing a group of players through the tiers. If he was in charge of any other Premier League club right now, I believe he would get relegated. So the championship may be where he needs to assert himself first. Let's remember Derby never got promoted, whether it was the playoff final or not, he could couldn't get over the line. I hope to email again soon in a more pleasant mood. Wow. But for now my thoughts aren't emotional. Mm, my considered professional opinion would say they are uh, and more objective for the health and passion I have for this club. Love what you guys and girls do keep the blue flag flying high best shaz. I need to have a breather after that. Uh, Jonathan.
2: Well it's 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 good to hear uh, uh, another view. Chinch. It's good to hear uh, um um a negative view. I apologise that I haven't been particularly ranty in this one, because... Um,
1: I think you I wrote that in. This is you, really, isn't it, JK? This is not actually Shaz at all. This is made up and written by you, mate.
2: Shaz Kid. Um, uh... Shand Kid. Sh- yeah, Shand Kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, he doesn't like Frank. You could argue uh, an aspect of that, that um, Frank doesn't intrude into the... Uh, um, uh, into the way the game goes. I think it's something that we we have uh, stuck up the flagpole on several occasions. He doesn't change things round quickly enough. He, um, uh, he doesn't do it very often. He doesn't seem to be changing um, the formation very often, which is what top managers do. Um, his relationship with Jody has suffered to an extent. They don't appear to be having any communication. There always used to be that 70 minutes chat before, and they work out who to put on. That doesn't happen anymore, whether he's fallen out with Jody, whether something's happened there. Um, but, um, some aspects, um, Shaz has got right. Kante is, is, uh, not playing as well as he was. Kovacic is indeed a yo-yo player. Um, uh, I don't agree with the Mount, uh, attack. I think Mount, um, I think Mount uh, never stops working and he's, uh, He's going to become a very top player i just don't think it's it's working for him at the moment in this environment um and as you said perhaps he's completely knackered um but um uh, it's a it's a it's an angle chidge isn't it it's a well it's i'll tell a, you what it's a somebody coming in and saying um i don't think frank's got it you know and that might be that might be that that's a that's a view isn't it
1: well so, I, I, I i i'm i could I could I could be incredibly juvenile and I could just be very rude and acerbic and excoriating and eviscerating to young Shaz. But I'm not going to, actually. Everybody is entitled to an opinion, particularly on this show. We're not a fascist dictatorship, in spite of what everybody says that I am. You're all entitled to a view and you're all entitled to an opinion. I mean, that's what football is all about. And it's just occurred to me, actually, the most salient point in that entire email and i know it was a bit i was a bit pithy during it but i'm entitled to it's my show but the thing that strikes me about that which i think is worth bearing in mind shaz is 28 that means in 2004 he would have been how old jk
2: 2004 16 he would have been 12 he'd have
1: been 12 yeah so basically for Chaz's entire life, really, I mean, you know, I know kids get taken to football when they're a bit younger, but, you know, a lot of us tend to go when we're about 10, 11, 12. So for, for Chaz's entire life, he's seen nothing but unmitigated, unparalleled, phenomenal success at Chelsea Football Club. We've been the best team in this country over that period by a country mile. Um, his experience with Chelsea is worlds apart from yours and mine jk and even from dean's so we can't imagine what it's like to look at chelsea football club through that lens actually at all none of us know what it's like to look through a kid's lens who's just known nothing but success and you know we all a lot of our happiness is predicated on chelsea winning you know i get that we all feel 10 feet taller when they win so, this must be shit for Shaz, and I can i mean, you know we're talking about passion at the moment. I can't sit here one minute saying, "Well, we're all passionate, and isn't it great?" And then, when somebody's really passionate and basically throwing their shit around the room, criticize him for it so i'm not I'm not going to criticize Shaz for that. I don't agree with any of it, but I'm not going to criticize him for it. He's absolutely we well, may be a she for all I know, but anyway they're welcome they're welcome to air that yeah, and I that would, hmm? that'd be yeah, that'd be but, you know, they're welcome to wear that opinion. I'm more than happy to read it out. And as I said, I think actually a little bit of empathy in terms of what it must be like for somebody of that age who's never seen anything but success at Chelsea. It must be...
2: Not, we're not being patronising about no, that. I understand. No. You're just saying it's the truth. I mean it's that.
1: Good. I mean that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, in a sense what I was saying about watching Doherty from age eight. I had no conception of... Well, I knew they weren't very good before, because, but I, it hadn't emotionally affected me. Whereas then... Watching the players uh, after that, watching the team progress under Doherty made you have great empathy with them and him as a manager, because you just realised that. Uh, well, you, you tended to pay more attention to the players, but you um, you expected that that kind of success, and so the second you get a lack of success, it becomes very difficult to uh, to deal with. Yeah,
1: um, I'm going to leave the final word on this to somebody who is a bit older than 28, but not a lot older. Uh, what do you think? What do you think, Dino? <clears throat> yeah, only only just a bit older. Um, you know what
3: I would say. You know, there's a lot. Did you of... hit
1: the big three zero yet, mate? That's this year. Is it this year? You're still under yeah. thirty. Yeah, you still lucky fucker.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bold assumptions, bold claims, um, with nothing to sort of offer an alternative to that. You know, obviously. Shaz knows more about football than Frank Lampard teaming from the email. You know, maybe he could follow up this email with you know, what he would do as Chelsea manager and how he would get the best out of the players rather than... I'm
1: going to laugh my cock off if it is in fact a she, but there you go.
3: The only point that's made is that John Terry listens to the radio, so maybe Frank could try that against Morecambe, see if that helps the team. Yeah.
1: Look, as I said, fair play. I mean, you know... That was a proper, proper, proper rant. I mean, you know, and I've I've been known to have a rant in the past about millions of things, let alone football, and lose my shit. And you know, that's the privilege, that's the privilege of youth. I would say so. Fair play, Shaz. You're welcome to write in any time, and you you write them, I'll read them. Don't you worry about that. I don't agree but you're entitled to it. All right, that, I'm and afraid. A good, good, it's been a good polemic moment, though. It's been no, really good. go for it. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Right, that, I'm afraid, is uh, oh, what a great way to end it on. You know, bit of a bit of controversy. Yes, we like a bit of that. They're all absolutely up. But, I, I mean, I could have spent the next half an hour reading the comments on uh, Mixler. They're going absolutely apeshit about the email on Mixler. They are not happy. It's all right. You're entitled to it. <laughs> I've got to read this out because it's the shortest one and it is from Daryl who I love like a brother. Daryl says he's lucky Tony's not still on tonight because Tony disappeared about an hour ago. So, <laughs> Absolutely. All right, got to go. Right, that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, JK and Mark Meehan uh, and myself, of course, will be back on Friday for the preview show and we will be joined by Liam Toomey so we can quiz him about the uh, the Frank rumours uh, and we'll be obviously be looking ahead to the third round fa cup tie against the mighty Morecambe, and uh myself jk clayton and the aforementioned tony will be back next monday evening to look back at the fa cup tie against Morecambe. uh now of course don't forget to check out dean's went to mo kings meadow podcast on the chelsea football uh, club women's team which is due out tomorrow night dean anything interesting on the show tomorrow
3: we're doing a special on chelsea pride with tracy who's sort oh, of right. co chair of that um just because there's no games that have been played yet. So we're doing a bit of a special on sort of homophobia and the difference is in the women and the men's game. Yeah. So it should be an interesting chat.
1: Yeah, Tracy's a good lass. So uh, uh, that'll be interesting. That true about um, Declan Rice then last night. Don't say that because we don't know if it's true or not.
2: Okay. I don't think so. Shh.
1: Uh, yeah, Dean, as always, good luck with that. I look forward to receiving it tomorrow and getting it up on air tomorrow night after I've done my Chelsea Sports Trust board meeting. Now, the Fancast, as you all know, is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify, as well as all the other podcast distributors. Talking of which, you can also find the Chelsea Fancast and other Chelsea podcasts on the CFC Blues app, as they tell you here, now. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate
2: football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts, download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play.
1: Now, uh, Patreon. I didn't mention our Patreon people. We've lost a few recently. Surprising few people that we've lost. What have I done? I know I don't do anything. So on the basis that I don't do anything, how could I have done anything wrong? Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Uh, the other note about Patrick and all of the people that I promised a banner to, um, I can prove it because the boys can see as proof, right? We have banners in jiffy bags hooray! waiting to be sent in the post to those that ask them. Am I right, J.K.? Am I right, Dean? Proof? Yes, proof? Yeah.
2: hooray!
1: I've also got in bigger jiffy bags uh, the books that were won by Nate Piacentino and Adam At Pizzani. Adam Pizzani, I think it was Adam. So they will be coming to you very shortly. I've just got to get to the post office. I've put them in the jiffy bags. I just need to make the next final step and get to the post office and then you will be getting them. So there you go. But we do love our patrons. They are absolutely wonderful. They donate money every month, which keeps the costs of running the shows feasible for me. And I do love you for it. Um, very easy. Patreon. Patreon. dot com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Uh, if you want to help us out, which would be very lovely if you do. Of course, you immediately uh, get invited to our Discord chat group, which is great on a match day. And any other time, really. We have a good bit of banter on that. It's a bit more sensible than Twitter, thankfully. Um, and also, of course, you will get a Kerry Dixon banner. Although... You might have to wait for a while because I've now run out, officially run out, uh, and I'm waiting for a new delivery from Brian Wolfe, who you heard from earlier on. But don't worry, I'll make a note of it and you will get them. So if you want to contribute a little bit every month, join Patreon and uh, you'll get a, Ker- a Kerry Dixon banner and uh, and you can join the Discord group. And, you know, you can get in touch with us as well. It's a good way to kind of keep in touch, get stuff right out, all that kind of stuff. Talking of which, as I said, if you want your email, Patreon or Instagram post or tweet read out then let's have it by uh, Sunday. Uh, By the way, we missed a load this week because a load of you have written in since. We will do them on Friday, I promise. Me, Jonathan and Mark will do them on Friday. Uh, The email address is chelseafancast at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at chelseafancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, K-Y-Double-D, and Dean Mears at Dean Mears, M-E-A-R-S, just like the former Chelsea. Are you related to the Mears family by any chance? No, it wasn't. Just um, share the name. Yeah, I never. I can't believe I've not asked you that before. Anyway, Dean Mears, and uh, don't forget, of course, check out as I said the Instagram, Facebook accounts, and Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. Now, well, it's been a bit of a bloody ride tonight, Dean. You've done very well. Both of you've done very well to stay awake. I know you're struggling at the moment, but I can see that you've done very well, Dean. Yeah, the last email gave me
3: a bit of a boost.
1: Yeah, I thought it might kind of got the heart heart racing, the blood pumping. You were ready for a fight, then I could tell, Dean. You're the, probably the most peace loving person I've ever met. So there you go. Uh, talking of peace loving people, Jonathan's always taking the peace. Man, good to see you, old bean. Been great. It has been. I mean, this is the weird thing, isn't it? We always have a lot of fun whether we win, lose, or draw. Um, and it has been quite a serious show tonight, actually. Yeah. <coughs> to you too mate yeah
4: yeah
1: no I've enjoyed it. it's been great fun sorry about the technical difficulties which mean that I've kept you here till nearly 10 o'clock fuck's sake we need to go great stuff you people at Mixley you've been brilliant for hanging out with us for as long as you have we look forward to seeing you again on Friday well, uh, and until then until then thank you for listening see you next week Until uh, keep it blue keep it carefully, and keep it chills up the chills yeah
0: Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht im Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Master, Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen.